twisted. Oh, Lord. Oh, Brandon. <laughs> why? Why? <sighs> That's why we love you. <laughs> I cannot wait to hear your review of this movie. Oh, I'm sure I won't like it. I'll be like, they did. They made the movie they wanted to make, but my God. <laughs> <laughs> you know you know what I want? I want the twist to be it's a musical. And so oh, no. conflicted. I am the Joker in Black Please, no. Oh, Lord. Please, no. Be, no, no, no. They would throw stuff at the screen. Yep. It'd be a mess. Popcorn everywhere. Goodness. I'm in love with Zazie Beats. Oh, she's Welcome to the Say Something Nice podcast, your home for in-depth news discussions, reviews, and deep dives into movies, television shows, and music, with a special emphasis on diversity and the Black experience. You can find our show on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and wherever else podcasts can be found. And you can also find us on all social media under the handle at SSN Podcast or at our website, SSNPodcast.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Say Something Nice podcast. We are so glad to have you here if you're here for the first time or to have you back if you're here for the second, third, or 105th or 314th time. (laughs) Thanks so much for joining us. My name is Brandon. I am here with Latria. Hello. Ali. Hello. And Coffee Light Sweet. Hello. And we are here today to talk about um, the both the like the latest in film, TV, and music news, a few new reviews or new things, or a few reviews of older things, and a discussion about how we are trying to make the future of film entertainment better for people of color by actually photographing us properly. Uh, <laughs> But before we do all, the first thing we're going to do, of course, is we're going to talk about the things that we watched over this last week, watched or listened to. I'll go ahead and start. Um, and actually, I think Latria can jump in on this one with me. I watched mm-hmm. the series premiere of Mixed-ish, the spinoff of Blackish on ABC. Yes. Starring, um, according to the title cards, um, take us up to Mark Paul Gosler. Because I guess the agents <laughs> decided they weren't going to figure out who was going to go first, so they were going to go, go together. So Tika Sumter and Mark Paul Goslar, a.k.a. Zach Morris, play the parents of Rainbow, who was played as an adult, of course, by Tracy Ellis Ross, and she narrates the show, but she's played as a child on the program. Her and her younger um, siblings who grew up on the commune until the commune was busted for being, like, you know, um, a, front, a cult. A cult. <laughs> with the, um, the leader having multiple wives and everything like that. So they're forced to go into the real world and live in a house owned by um, the father's racist dad. 
<laughs> and there's a whole lot, whole lot of adjusting that has to be done. Um, Rainbow's mom decides she has to go back to work and give up, you know, the whole hippie thing and get a, like a business suit because she's a black woman. And being a black woman doesn't give her the freedom to just, you know, be a hippie out in regular society. Right. Uh, Rainbow is like mad because her little brother and little sister both watched um, TV to try to figure out how to either be black or white. And so Johan chooses to be black and Santa Monica chooses to be white. <laughs> and they show up to... Uh... <laughs> but she's like a sassy white, though, because yeah. she has a lot of attitude. I love her. A little sassy fifth or five or six-year-old. Thought <laughs> 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 so she's a material girl in a material world. I'm a sassy. I, I loved it <laughs> so much. And Johan spouting every um, um, line from um, what's happening in different strokes. <laughs> Like <laughs> uh, but yeah, I really enjoyed the um, the episode. I think it's, this show will make it. Uh, the only thing I would say is that I need to find this child's name. The girl playing Rainbow, she's good at all the comedy stuff, the dramatic stuff. She's kind of a little bit still like I think um, what I'm looking for, what I'm looking for here, a little bit squirrely on that stuff. But it's mm-hmm. like I, it's not as rough of a pilot as the pilot for Blackish itself was. So. Mm. So I don't know if y'all remember that pilot was rough. <laughs> I don't remember. It's yeah. been so long. <laughs> yeah, it took it took a good couple of weeks for Blackish to find its footing. Yeah. Oh, I don't remember that. Oh. I don't remember that 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 um that pilot at all. I remember liking it from the beginning. So, but that could just be me. All right. Her and I love the auntie by the way as well. Mm-hmm. The auntie yeah. is crazy. Um, so, uh, yeah, her name is, um, Arika Himmel mm-hmm. is the name of the actress playing young Rainbow Johnson. And you have Ethan Childress as Johan Johnson. They found a child who looks just like the V Diggs. I mean, <laughs> it's, it could be like his son or his little brother in real life. Mm-hmm. Amazing. I don't, I don't understand, like, what kind of magic that casting department has, but wow. And Michael Michelle Harris as Santa Monica Johnson. My favorite character. Like, she's she's my favorite part of the show already. Right. And uh, so Anders Holm was the actor that they, they replaced who was supposed to be the original um, father on the show. I'm glad. I like Mark Paul better. I agree. And also, there was also the whole thing about, you know, Tika Sumter not looking like Anna um, Guinevere Smith, who played um, Rainbow's mother, yeah. um, blackish um, up that until this point. That still bothers me. I don't. I mean, because is she going to be on blackish still? Are they going to have to recast? They're going to have to recast the older <laughs> the mother, mama? I think. Because they, like... they won't have Tika do it because she's too young, but I think they'll recast right. the older mother. They're going to have to. They can get Aunt Viv. <laughs> they could get Aunt Viv. <laughs> Black Trish <Jenna> Hubert. <laughs> <laughs> that would be so funny. But she would have to that make sure she, she didn't show up and act the food. She know how she do sometimes. Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> Bitches, please. On the, on the internet with her um, comic book filters turned on. Oh <laughs> She's my. doing the videos about how, well, Will, the 
um, chickens finally came home to roost, didn't they? Oh, well, goodness. well, well. What does she? What does she do um, besides um, just making these videos? Like, what does she cash her residual checks? So she doesn't have to work a day in her life ever again. I mean, I'm sure she would pref- would prefer to, but I, I I would assume she's okay. No, actually, I think she's probably doing stage plays and things. Like, I know she gets acting jobs or TV here and there, but I assume that she's still working in some capacity, like do maybe doing like theater work or something like that. Okay. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I'm, she's certainly not broke because, I mean, Fresh Prince is one of the most... I mean, at this point, she's not making a lot of money from sigils anymore, but at the time when they went into syndication, she was still despite everything that went down in half of the episodes of this very popular program, right. that when they slowed it into syndication, was playing everywhere. So they got she got a good check. Man, I just okay. need to, like, be on one show that goes into syndication, and, that, and I can retire. Like, I don't... Yeah, pretty much. Can you, can you the, imagine the people The Friends who, people get $20 right? million dollars a year. There you go. To do absolutely the fuck nothing. nothing. And some of them 20, are still some of them are still acting. Some of them right? are still doing work. Right. You don't need to, but you're still here. Jesus. Right? Like what well, I bet you the, the women on from Sex in Sex on the City. Yeah. I wonder how, how much Living Single them make. Living Single probably have made more than Sex in the City in syndication, simply because you have to edit. <laughs> I know Sex in the City has been syndicated, but you had to edit the fuck out of that program, <laughs> first of all. So it's not as popular. But Living Single, they could play on, you know, regular network TV, and they did. Okay. So You're they would right. all make more from yeah. the syndication. Yeah, well. And shows shows that are still going on right now, that, that they're still current, but they're already syndicated. Like For Black-ish. example... Okay, so you have Blackish for is one. Uh, the one freaking example. no, you know who never has to work again in life? The freaking Big Bang Theory people. Yeah, yeah, no, never the, again. Definitely. That never show again. is on. That show is on like eight channels currently. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What about also? The, also, what is it like? Everybody loves Raymond, King of mm-hmm, Queens. Yeah. Like none of them have to work. Law and Order. Law, yeah, definitely oh, Law and Order. And they keep pumping them out. NCI, all the NCISs, CSI, and that how it go. Yeah. Yep. Yes, the gavel. Well, not 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 as high, but a little. <laughs> I'm like, let me just get like a four episode arc that like is popular. Yeah. Just just let let me be let me be a sick person on Grey's Anatomy. You know, mm-hmm. I'll be like the the uh, like a. I don't know, administrative assistant or something. Yeah, some of the Law and Order folk have passed on. Like they, they were old. They were older. Mariska Hargitay is like literally the only original. Yeah. <laughs> yep. You know, so th- which reminds me, like for like the like the older detectives mm-hmm. who passed on, but they're the the episodes that they're in still play. Does that go to their family or how does that? I mean, it goes to the estate. Estate, okay. Whoever owns mm-hmm. the estate, if it's the family or whoever else. Yeah. Because um, law and order is everything. I'll tell you, I, mean, I picked the wrong career. I don't know. Me, being an actor is some, it's not it's not a cakewalk. No. That's true. No, they've earned it. Because you got to make it first. So. Yeah, you do. <laughs> right. All right. And get people who want to steal your money. So. Yeah, that, that part. That part. <laughs> that my, part. My word. Uh, <laughs> in addition to that, I watched a bunch of movies. I'll go through them very quickly. Because um, some of them are a little bit more um, obscure than others. Uh, so Are they from the 30s? 70s. 
and 90s and 2000s. What? (laughs) (laughs) So two of them, which I don't know if we, I'm sure we discussed them on this program at some point in passing and in joking, but um, Mandingo and Drum. Never heard of it. Oh, I remember Mandingo. Yes. I remember Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, so Mandingo is a movie from 1975 directed by Richard Fleischer, son of Max Fleischer, famous animator. Um, it is based on a notorious novel um, mm-hmm. written by, gosh, who's the name writer of this thing? Because he wrote like a bunch of novels because Drum is a sequel to um, Mandingo. Mm-hmm. Uh, book was written by Kyle Onstott. Yeah. Uh, who was... As a guy who had retired from his previous career and just went ahead and wrote, started writing books. Uh, Mandingo is about a slave named um, um, Gamamede, or just Mead, who is a Mandinka from the Mandinka tribe in um, Africa, who is purchased to be, and I quote the motion picture, as I say this, a fighting nigger. Mm. So he's been bought basically okay. to be a, a, oh, no. like a, you know, like a like a, not really a boxer, more like a, a MMA to the death fighter in these like boxing like matches. Like a, like a pit bull, basically? Yeah, yeah pretty like much, yes. One of, one of Michael Vick's dogs? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Like, you know, black man versus black man during slavery with the white mm. people watching and cheering them on. Um, wow. Now, a lot of Manding- Mandingo is, is um, dedicated to being a, um, more than a little bit scandalous. You know, showing, you know, um, these um, white women with their tops down, you know, getting screwed and being um, uh, mistresses and prostitutes, showing like um, the black woman um, played by Brenda Sykes, right? It's always Brenda Sykes. Yes, it's Brenda Sykes. She's always playing these parts of these movies, that poor lady, um, who is the mistress of the white man who buys um, mead because he prefers black women to white women. And they have to force him to marry a white woman. But the white woman gets no attention from him because he's always in the um in the slave quarters with his black mistresses. And so he ca- she calls up me and is like, you're going to have sex with me or I'm going to tell master that you raped me. And so you have this very long sex scene between this black man and this white woman. And she gives birth mm. to a, a mixed baby. They kill it. They kill it in the crib. Oh, dang. They poison the white woman. <laughs> And 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 um so and with me they um put him into a pot of hot boiling water and, and um burn and boil him to death. Yep, that was the scene that I remember. He Whoa. kept he kept saying, "This is so hot. This is hot." Yeah, because originally they had uh, they, he was in hot he they put him in that hot water to try to quote unquote toughen his skin, but this time it was to murder him. Oh my god! I will never forget that movie. Yeah, that movie is. I, a I will not be watching that. Don't don't do it. Mm-mm. It's just it's so over the top, like um, scandalous. What's the matter, Mead? Ain't you ever craved a white woman before? Oh god! <laughs> <laughs> that makes my skin crawl. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, that poor actress uh, Susan George has never worked again in motion pictures after. Yeah. <laughs> I looked at her IMDb and stopped cold after seventy five. <laughs> they were like, Jeez. "How dare you? Screw that black baboon on motion picture film." <laughs> you know, I would really appreciate if you don't use those terms, please. <laughs> can, you just, can you just let them have it, and then we can be upset? I'm don't in make, character, don't... boy. Don't give them ideas. 
Okay, yeah, I mean, they already had all the ideas. They made the movie. Um, and Ken Norton, who was a boxer, not really an actor, and it shows, um, played Mandingo. But Ken Norton also stars in Drum, playing, I'm guessing, his great, his, his grandson of some sort, where he is a slave bought by the master in a la- at a later plantation he moves to. And it's a whole thing where there's a slave uprising and everything like that. This one is a bit... It's it's scandalous in a different way because the villain is a gay slave um, slaver who wants to fuck drum. Oh, okay. Your wow. body is so beautiful. I must have you for myself. You know well, that kind of yeah. Nineteen seventies. <laughs> it was wild back then. <laughs> it was real wild. It was you know you might say it was twisted. We'll get to that more <laughs> later on in the program about twisted movies that are trying to be made now and why, you know, that's not going over the way they thought it was going to go over. Mm-hmm. Um, so Greg, you know, Greg's been on the show a bunch of times. He sent me a long time ago a copy of a Whoopi Goldberg stand-up from 1988 called Fontaine, Why Am I Straight? where she's playing a character of like a drug addict who finally got off of drugs and is sort of reacting to how the way the world is working. Um, I finally watched it. Sorry, Greg, it took me years, but I really enjoyed it. I had never seen it before because it's from 88. I wasn't allowed to watch Whoopi Goldberg stand-ups in 88. She had a a show on Broadway um, that I saw when she was coming up. It was fantastic. Okay, that's awesome. Oh, yeah. Yeah, like I had never seen her stand up. It's my first time. I really enjoyed it. I did also I finished watching Menace to Society. Woo, that's a movie. That's a good mm-hmm. movie too. But it's a it's a just that movie is like pitch black as far as like uh putting your nose into the shit and being like, say what you did, stupid kids. Like, I don't know when's the last time anybody else saw Menace to Society, but that is a movie that does not it's like an after-school special turned up to 11 for grown people, basically, and for teenagers who are acting the fool. Mm. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, like, I really enjoyed it. Uh, Shout-out to Tyron Turner, Lorenz Tate, and Jada Pinkett. Oh, um, Tyron Turner. He was in all the hood classics. Yes, he was. <laughs> um, and I also, because of all the Spider-Man stuff that was going on over the last couple of weeks, and again, more this week, I went mm-hmm. back and watched the original in 2002, Sam Raimi Spider-Man starring Tobey Maguire, Bless uh, Kristen your heart. Stewart, and James Franco. Because I, wow. I wanted to remember, because I remember watching it the first time back then and not liking it because it was too close to the comics for me. It was no finesse to it. So I wanted to revisit and sort of kind of figure how I felt about it now. That did not See, I didn't all. like it because I, I thought Tobey Maguire was lame. I don't like any of the three leads in these parts at all. I don't like Toby. I don't like Kristen. I don't like Franco. I've seen them all in, in other things where they're much better. Mm-hmm. I think part of the problem is that, you know, even though they always cast 20-year-olds to play high school students because of child labor laws and everything like that, right. these three look like they have jobs at Microsoft. Right. Yeah, they, they look like they, they pay look... taxes. <laughs> yeah, they looked old. Because, you know, like, uh, t- Tom, to compare, Tom Holland and Zendaya look like they're high school students, but they're in their mid-20s. Right. 
You know, like even like Lily Reinhardt and um, Camila Mendez on Riverdale look like high school students, but they are in their mid twenties or early twenties, right. rather. Um, yeah. Not not these three. They look old. No, they they had they had lived some lives. Yes, they have. <laughs> I also noticed that Sam Raimi seemed bored with the material that first time out, and he keeps trying to turn it into a horror movie, which you know is his wheelhouse. Mm. Like the most effective parts are like the little horror flashes. Like a lot of it is so close. You could tell it's too close for me, considering that it's a Spider-Man movie to Superman part one from 1978. Because mm. I understand that was their only real template for a superhero film when they started working on it. But it's so distracting, I think, because Spider-Man and Superman are such different characters and such different worlds. They, they mm. tried too hard to make him Superman in that movie. Mm. But yeah, like, I mean, I don't think it's terrible, just that, you know, it hasn't necessarily aged as well as some other movies from, you know, even other older superhero films have. Because I can still watch Superman 78 just fine and not feel the way I felt watching Spider-Man Part 1. I think the only movies, like, the early ones that I care for still will be all the Batman movies. Mm. Like, I still like all of those, even though we've had, like, eight different Batmans. <laughs> <laughs> I still like them all. You guys think that Superman will ever come back to its former glory? Mm, uh, um, in movies, you mean? Yeah. No. Why is that? Why? I don't think... The people at Warner Brothers, well, I've, I've said this on the show a bunch of times, they don't well, like all, Superman. Y'all need to quit hating on my man because I don't see what the problem with him so, is. About, no, 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 Cavill? No, 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 it's not. Nobody yes. dislikes That's Cavill. That's not the issue. He's yeah, never no the one, issue. No I one feel like, like I him. saw hate about him. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Oh, okay. It's not well, him. We good, we good. Because we've nah, seen him <laughs> act very well in other films. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. He yes. was great at Mission Impossible yeah. Fallout. I, I, I still don't understand why they fought for that mustache, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> because they were being dicks. They, because they could. That's all about, Clearly. ha, ha, ha. We don't care. We're going to mess up your movie, so we, ours will be, look better. <laughs> um, but yeah. Didn't. Warner Brothers does not like Superman as like regular as the file Superman. They feel like they have to find some kind of a way to update him and make him quote unquote relevant to 20 year old people on Reddit. Which is why they got Zack Snyder in the first place. So so to piggyback off of what Brandon is saying is that nowadays the way if you've noticed like a lot of the superhero stuff uh, is, is happening it always caters to this idea where you need your hero to be somehow like a broken person or Mm -hmm. he needs to have trauma in his life to make him like seem cooler when he, when the climax of the movie comes around and then he sort of, he sort of like, um, you know, he, he champions whatever kind of adversity that he's going through to then beat the villain. Superman, they, they, they would want to try to do that with Superman. And every time they, they might either a not want to do that, Mm-hmm. Or B, try to do it and fail. Because that's not what Superman's about. He right. has the, the, trauma, the but it's not what drives him. Yeah, it's right. not yeah, it's not like that kind of trauma. And that's what's hot right now. Quote unquote hot, I will say that because it's all it's all depending on what's 
what's the new trend? So maybe in a decade, there might be a new trend where it's like, we need our heroes to always be, uh, I don't know, choose the opposite of that, right? And all of a sudden, and no be Superman. Happy. Yeah, no Superman is no super relevant. No, we can put him on, on movies and everyone will accept him. And you can wear but, his red trunks. Yeah, and then, he, then he can wear his underwear outside of his outside of his, his spandex, you know, like that. Eh, yeah, I miss Superman. I grew up with him, you know. Like I'm talking about classic Superman. Yeah, um, like who's that? That actor, um, Reeve. Christopher Reeve. Yeah, mm-hmm. and uh, we lost Lois, you know. Yeah, yeah. Marco Kidder. You know? Right? Is Gene Hackman still here? No, nah, he's Hackman? gone. <laughs> what? Wait, wait, Gene Hackman. No, Gene Wilder is the one who's gone. Hackman might yeah. still be here. Yeah. I oh, think, my God. I, think, I was about to say. Hold on. Hold on. Yeah. Let me look it up. Let me look it up. Hold on. I think, I think he's... I know Wilder is gone. No, yeah. Gene is still here. Okay. Because, like, you know, I saw a lot of reviews that were, like, these were backhanded... He's 89, but Ooh. he's still here. Bless oh. his heart. That were yeah. backhanded compliments about... Um, oh, Warner Brothers finally made a superhero... A, a Superman movie. It's called Shazam. Oh, Lord. Ouch. Well, you know, like, I mean, yes. And we talked about the whole lawsuit and all that kind of stuff. But also, look at, I mean, also, it's not a Warner Brothers film. But look at Billy Batson. And, like, they had a whole thing with his mother they had to do for that movie, too. You know, it, it's good for the movie. Right. But he can't be, oh, I'm an orphan, but I'm still happy. Do, 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 do. They can't do that anymore. That's what's holding up, I think, <laughs> Superman and characters like that. That's so sad. Yeah. Which is what, well, Brandon, you were saying that this is what they updated for Billy Batson, right? Mm -hmm. This is part of the update for him. If if they could not have turned the original Billy Batson into um, Into a a movie, movie, nah. But after they had the, is it, what did you call the new 52 version? Yeah. Is that what you called it? Yeah. And then they updated what kind of an orphan he is, what kind of a mindset he is in now. And now it it sort of became, um, you know, okay right. to adapt this into a movie because that's what, again, that is what is hot right now. It's people with trauma. Like Batman. Like my Batman. mother was murdered in front of me and my father then was killed as well. Pearls flew everywhere. Martha. Martha. I'm a bat. <laughs> Vengeance. Vengeance. <laughs> like that. And my favorite Batman has always been the Dick Spring um, Batman that was turned into the, you know, the da na 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 I know everybody, people are like screaming like, no, that Batman was lame and everything. It's a white, rich white man running around in tights <laughs> with, it, with a, with a, with a uh, souped out car in a bat costume. And that's one, I that understand the, where... the dark version and I respect it. And I like it every now and then, but if you really ask me, Brandon, what you want to read, I want to read a comic book that that shows just how much nonsense that nonsense actually is. Hmm. Mm. Is that I, the one where where he was where he was um he had to toss the bomb into the sea? Yes, by running around the sea. Yes, yes, yeah, the rest <laughs> had to toss the bomb into the sea. He does the bat too. See, you know, all that, yes, all that. See, Cesar Romero's playing the Joker. He's got his makeup of his mustache. Yes, all of that. <laughs> all of that. It was so good. It was so good. Yep. In addition to that, music-wise, I finally found a rapper I think I might be interested in who's a new person. Who? ASAP Who? Ferg. Oh. So this weekend, I've done, I did a lot of Ubering. I went, to, I went out Saturday night to hang out with Quad and some, and some new people at uh-huh. a bar. 
And so, and then, well, lifting rather, not Uber. Let me get the trademark right. And then, to, it, and then today, it, yeah. in them streets. <laughs> today, two two of my friends got married, and so I had I went downtown to the marriage to the um, the marriage to the wedding and the reception. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so I've I got to hear a lot of you know uh, what the the kids are listening to, <laughs> and I kind uh-huh. of took a liking to playing Jane by Aesop Ferg, which is a song that is two years old. And so I'm listening to the whole album now, which is called Still Striving, and I'm I'm enjoying it. Like he raps well enough for me to appreciate the um the music actually sounds mixed. A lot of these new rappers coming up, you can tell that they don't know how to mix their stuff, and the labels don't care. But this this album actually sounds put together, and I appreciate it. And so I'm listening yeah. to that, and also Ooh. working my way through all of those Janet Jackson remix albums we talked about last week. Mm. I mean, there's a one album for every song that was a hit from um, right. uh, Rhythm Nation. Like, I hadn't heard the remix of All Right with Heavy D on it in a very long time. Oh, I love that one. Oh, Heavy. Yep, and they have five versions of it. Oh, oh no. Oh, no. <laughs> I love remix albums. All right. Um, is that That's everything for me. Everything that's relevant, at least. Yeah, so let's go ahead on to Latria. All right. I have... <coughs> Ooh, excuse me. I don't know what that was. I have quite a list. Because I, I caught up with just about all the shows that have premiered, you know, for their uh, seasons that I normally watch. So I'll just say the ones that I normally watch, but then I'll talk about the new stuff. So I watched the Blackish premiere. Um, Brandy, you already talked about Mixed Dish. Mm-hmm. So my sentiments, I, I love the show. Um, I watched The Good Place. It's still. Hmm. Yeah, because last last season of The Good Place was very hit or miss for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So I mean, I this is the last season. I was going to ask you too. I was going to ask you if, if if Good Place is still. So I'm glad pretty. this is the last season, but I'm just like, uh, we'll see. Um, Superstore watched it. Love that show. It is hilarious. You know, the lady who too. plays the older um, um, uh, worker, like I guess in a recurring part, she passed away. Oh, the old old lady. Yeah, so let me go get her name. They just like it happened over the weekend. R I P. Superstore actress. Mm-hmm. Why are you doing that? I also watch Modern Family, which is getting is funny again. Right, <laughs> Linda. You know, for, yeah, Linda oh, Porter played Myrtle. Oh, yes, Myrtle. Oh, R I P. Linda. I like her. She was funny. Uh-huh. I wonder, like, how many episodes she did. Let me go see if I can find that. I can go to her IMDb. America, America Ferrara is is really. Yes. She really doesn't get. She doesn't get um no, as she, much she props as I think she deserves. No, like all her shows have been great. Yeah. And so now they're that. dealing with, and now they're dealing with Ice because on the season finale last year. Oh Mate- no! Did they raid the store? Mateo was picked up by Ice. <gasps> no! And so on this one, he's like, you know, detained by Ice and they're, you know, oh, going to visit no. him and oh, just wow. talk about that. Yeah, it's oh, crazy. Wow. And then this he's like, because you know, really he's serious. like, I think he's Filipino. And so they went to visit yeah, he him. Yeah, he is. They went to visit him in jail. And he was like, yeah, so everybody in here thinks that I'm like 
Mexican, they keep talking to me in Spanish and I don't understand what's going on. Right. <laughs> I knew that's that's, his, that's, like, oh that's one of because <laughs> remember that that's one of the things that he that's one of the, the pet peeves of him in the show is that people keep thinking right. that he's some kind of Mexican. Yeah. So yeah. it's wow. yeah, and so yeah, it's crazy. So Superstore is great. Yeah. Uh, um before you go on, Myrtle was in yeah. 35 episodes of Superstore, apparently. Okay. Okay. So I wonder if she did if she finished this whole last season or I mean the season that's on now. If she probably would have gotten like through the first third of it, I think, if if she yeah. just passed away just now. Oh Myrtle. That's sad. Cause I did always make jokes about her being dead. <laughs> like if she wasn't at work. Mm. That's sad. Um, what else I watched? Oh, Modern Family, yeah. So I, I mentioned that it's back funny again. Um my favorite show that I love to hate that I now have to admit that I actually like now. Uh, the neighborhood. <laughs> wow. I like it's I know. I don't know when it got funny to me, but this premiere, I literally watched the episode three times because I thought it was funny. Well, maybe they watched the first season too and they're like, hmm, we can do better. It, I think honestly, towards the end. Of that first season, it got funny. But definitely that first episode, I was like, this is a horrible mistake. And mm. then I just, I picked it up like toward the end, I'll binge it. But yeah, it, it definitely, I don't know, maybe they got some new writers in there and got funny. Maybe. Just to so, clarify, this is the one with Cedric the Entertainer and Tishina Arnold, where they're the yes. neighbors of the white people. The white people moved into yes. the hood. Yeah, yes. okay. Yes. Okay, so on to the new stuff. Um, I finally finished Four Weddings and a Funeral yesterday. Oh my God, so good. I cried on all like the last three episodes. Um, so if you haven't seen that and you have Hulu, I recommend it. It's uh Mindy Kaling produced it. It's based on the movie that Hugh Grant was in, which I don't I have to go back and watch the movie because I remember watching it long time ago mm. when it was out. Um, but it has our girl Masandi in it, Ali. Good job, so Cindy. Yes. And she has, like, one of the main story arcs. So you really should watch it. It's good. Um, weddings and a so that's good. On to the other new stuff. I watched uh, Crank Yankers. <laughs> I, so they brought it back. Yes. And it is hilarious. Is it still on Comedy Central? Yes. And I actually, that's the only show this week that I watched live because it came on at 1030 mm. and I was just flipping through and I'm like, oh yeah, Crank Yankers is about to come on. I was like, you know what? I might as well just watch it right now because it's only 30 minutes. And so it is as vulgar and lewd as you remember. <laughs> um, I hope the kids went to bed. So there's that. Um, so other new, so... Some more, literally CBS, I don't know what they did, but they must have heard the show and was like, we're going to make her a fan. Because <laughs> almost all the shows they had, I've watched. So I'll start with the one that I didn't write down, but I I remember. I watched that show. I don't know if y'all seen the trailer or even heard of it. It's called Bob Hart's Abba Show. Oh, we saw that. We saw the poster for that in uh, California. Okay. So here's, so I was like, you oh, know what? Boy. So this week I was like, I'm just going to watch the first episode of like a bunch of shows. And it doesn't mean that I'm going to actually watch the show. I'm like, mm-hmm. I just want to see what it is. Because I saw that and I was like, this is going to be really bad. <laughs> <laughs> and so. Tell so, us, please. While I was watching it, I was like, 
mm, like I just it wasn't horrible, but I don't see it lasting. But what I did was I was like, please tell me either somebody who is African or of African descent or is at least black is like in the creative room or something. But so I was Googling it while I was watching it. And I found out that Gina Yashiri is one of the executive producers. And that made me feel better. Mm -hmm. I still don't think the show is good. But at least Gina Yashiri is one of the executive producers. And I don't know if you've heard of her, but she's a comedian. Okay. She's British and she's of Nigerian descent. Like her parents are Nigerian. Um, But I really, I really like her as a comedian. Like she's hilarious and like brash and in your face. So that made me feel a lot better about, you know, the whole storyline. I still don't think the show is good. What is it? It, They meet on a, they get matched by friends? It's that dude that was on Mike and Molly. You, oh, you okay. That yeah. show, mm-hmm. The big guy. Yeah. yeah. So he is like, he owns this like sock company. Socks? Like on your feet socks? Yes. The okay. like compression socks. Oh, okay. With yep. his family. And he mm-hmm. ends up having a heart attack. And oh. so he goes to the hospital. And so the nurse who's Nigerian is his nurse. And he like wakes up and just like instantly falls in love with her and all that kind of stuff. Okay. And becomes obsessed and is like, I got to take her a gift and all this. And starts like riding the bus because she's on the bus. And it's just, yeah. It's, mm. uh, yeah, no, it's not good. So <laughs> is this going to be their new Superior Donuts? I don't wow. know. I'm so mad that I never saw that. Was it even? I guess it wasn't good. I don't and, know. It was, just, it was just problematic. That was a show about a white man teaching a black teenager how to... Um, Civilized. How to be an upstanding um, member of society? Are mm-hmm. you serious? Yeah, wow. dead on. Yep. Oh dead on. wow! He, the white man ran a donut shop, and he hired the black the black boy to work be you know like a uh, you know a clerk. And a I didn't know that's that what that stuff. was about. Wow! Yeah. But they're in so Chicago. C- oh wow! It could be, um, but don't don't bother watching it because it's not good. <laughs> so another CBS show. That is good. Well, it's good to me. I like that it's funny. Is um, Carol's second act with Patricia Heaton. She plays this older woman who decides to like become a doctor, you know, later on. So mm-hmm. she's like, this is like her. She's in, what is it? I don't know if it's an intern or a resident. Resident. Resident, yes. Yep. So she's a mm-hmm. resident, but she's like in her 40s and, you know, everybody else is like younger. Mm-hmm. Um, so I liked it. I thought it was funny. It's Patricia Heaton and I've, tend to like anything that she does. Um, she loves... She, they love casting her and shit over there, don't they? Yeah. Did Because the, the, the middle got canceled, No, right? no, no. That was... The middle was ABC. Yeah, but, like, she jumped from... There was a show... What's the name of that damn show that she was on on CBS that only ran in one season? Um, no, because she was on Everybody Loves Raymond. There's another CBS show right. she was on before she did the middle. I forgot what it's called. Um, um, Back to You, I think it was. Is that correct? I don't know. Um, looking, 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 looking. Yes, back to you. Yeah, oh. then she went from there to the middle, and now she's back again. Oh, okay. Well, hey, back to them. Right. I guess. Um, so the other, the last CBS show, which is really good, um, and I will definitely be tuning in, is All Rise with Simone Missick. Mm-hmm. Uh-oh. Uh-huh. She, she plays a judge. She goes, well, she was like a district attorney, and then she ends up becoming a judge. So it's about her, you know, she's like a black woman. Like all the other judges are like old white men. Oh, what black, oh, black and so woman poppycock. She's a black woman. And like one of the first cases, um, she basically finds out that like the cop 
did something wrong to like cover up her tracks to kind of get this conviction. And so it's all like about the white woman on trial. And now. So the lady who there's another judge, uh, Mark Marge, Hel- I think it's Helgenberger from the original CSI. The lady with the red hair. I don't, I don't remember. She's oh, wait, like, wait, wait. She's, she's one of the. She's back. Yeah, so she's on this show, and she was talking to her, and she was, like, basically letting her know, like, you know, you just are now. Don't make any enemies of the police. Is this somehow a tie-in with, um, with CSI? No, it's not. She's just oh. on the show. Oh. Because, you um, know, I feel like as if CBS shows are good to... I know, right? <laughs> to tie yeah. <laughs> no, it's not. She's just, like, one of the other... I don't know if she's, like, the senior judge or what her role is, but she's kind of has, like, a, a senior role... See. But you know, Simone's like, mm, no, I'm gonna do this my way and they'll be all right. So I can already like sense some tension of like, you know, between her and the police basically not gonna be friends. So but I'm happy that Simone Missick is Yeah, she's so good. I love her. Cause yeah, because when they when I when they when they canceled Luke Cage, I was like, oh no. That Which he has a new to. show that I haven't checked out because I think I'm gonna be scared of it. Yeah it, looks, evil. it looks like, yeah, it looks like a bit on of a CBS. psychological I think both, thriller. CBS must have got both of them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they were like, oh, hey, Netflix canceled y'all. We got some slots over here for the Blacks. Oh, oh. Wanna, wanna come oh. Over? I mean, let's keep it real. Let's keep it real. <laughs> come no, on. No comment. <laughs> no, you know CBS has a diversity problem. Hey, homeboy and homegirl. Listen, we've got some, some slick... Um, slots for you guys over here. That's no right. job. What's up with the bebop skadoobop? <laughs> it's gonna be. <laughs> it's it's gonna be lit. Can yeah, I tell y'all a CBS story? That's Jazz hands. Lord, can I tell you? Wait, y'all one C- more. I got one more. Sorry, I got one more show. Okay. okay. Uh, I also watched Stumptown. Obsessed. Love it. ABC starring um yes. Kobe Smothers and Kobe Smothers um, Michael and Ely. Michael Ely. It's really, it's really good. I am definitely going to keep checking that one out as well. Right. And that's it. But go ahead with your CBS story. So CBS story. So I guess this ties back into the whole Dobie Gillis thing. The lead actor on Dobie Gillis, Dwayne Hickman. Mm-hmm. Um, him and his older brother, Daryl, who are both child actors, um, they became executives at CBS once their acting careers dried up when they became 30-something. Mm-hmm. Um, Dwayne Hickman became the, I guess, I guess the head of primetime comedy at CBS in 1976, I think it was, or 77 rather. And his first job <laughs> was to audit um, Good Times, which oh, was still on the air at the time. And they told him that they were like the ratings had been slagging because they had to fire. Um, this was after they killed off James and fired John Amos. Damn. So this damn, is the season damn. after that. And so, but they were very happy because they told him we've we got Janet Jackson to be on the show. And he's like, Who's Janet Jackson? Oh, jeez. Now I know she was uh, but he had no idea who the Jacksons were. Oh, okay. That's that's the main thing. It's not really Janet Jackson because I mean right. she was a little bitty child, right. Brandon. They had to explain that he, uh, he, uh, she, she's Michael Jackson's little sister kid. Who's Michael Jackson? Oh my god. Like how uh, Mr. Hickman is still alive. Um, he's but I bet he knew who the Partridge family was. I'm certain he did, but I, who the, <laughs> how the shit did you not know who Michael Jackson was? Okay. <laughs> 1977. <laughs> how? Oh, that's, that's, that's my CBS story. They've always had a problem over there. 
even when Good Times was on. I mean, look what they did. Absolutely. Look what they look what they did to Good Times. Watch Wait, that so first. I didn't know that they. I didn't know that they fired him. So John Amos hated the way they were writing JJ, and so did Flo, um, um, Esther Rowe. They were very open in in Ebony and Jet, which was the only place that would listen to them about this kind of stuff. Right about how much they hated the way that. J.J. was being written in the way that Jimmy Walker was letting them do it and playing the part that way. And so John Amos got into these shouting matches with Norman Lear and would chase him through oh. the hallways of, of the um, studio. Uh-oh. What better, Norman? Oh, Lord. And so Norman, of course, you know, got the guy that, you know, that that white man fury for my life against his big black buck thing going on and fired uh, John Amos over the summer. And they wrote oh. the episode, everybody knows with the punch bowl, damn, damn, damn. Damn, damn. And it ended up, you know, making J.J. the lead character. And shit got even more ridiculous from there. Right, and which then, was lame. Mm-hmm. And then Esther Rowe quit. Oh. Because, you know, she quit and then they begged her for a year to come back. And she finally came back in that last season. Oh. Yep. Because when John Amos got fired, he went right from there to doing um, Roots. Sure did. Mm. They caught him like literally like the, a couple of weeks afterwards to cast him as Kuta Kente. Chopped off his foot. Yep. <laughs> I, have, I have never seen Roots. It'll change your life. I, I don't want to. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think you should. I really do think you should. I, I know it's not going to be e- easy watch. I'm slave stuff. I can't do that. It's not an easy watch, but uh, it, it, it'll... Isn't I it? just, I can't. I understand. I understand. I understand. The, I understand. The thing is, most for most of us, Roots was the first slave thing we saw. Mm-hmm. Certainly, it was that way for me. My mom sat us down. It's like, okay, we gonna watch Roots tonight. Is they gonna show it on the Family Channel? Once, and I was like, why do we wanna watch a show about plants, Mama? Oh, <laughs> <Aww. laughs> you're so sweet. No. <laughs> And then you were like, whoa, wait a minute. This is not about photosynthesis. <laughs> <laughs> it's not about agriculture. This is not. Mama, I thought this was about plants. Why is this black man in the jungle? <laughs> like, where, where is the chlorophyll? This, I don't see that on here. <laughs> Why does white man put chains on him? <laughs> oh, my God. Ain't, ain't that the man from reading Rainbow Bobble? <laughs> mm-hmm. And from Star Trek. <laughs> I don't think was Star Trek. Star Trek was on. I was not watching it when on uh, yeah. they showed show Roots. But yeah, this, this launched his career. Lamar yep. Burton launched his career. Yeah. Yep, sure did. All right, um, Ali. So, um, I didn't watch that much stuff. N- not anything that's pretty much new. Um, I said um, last week that what I would try to do is I'll try to finish up um, Disenchantment and Big Mouth mm-hmm. on Netflix. Oh. And I did. Um, <laughs> yeah, so I, I, I've I changed my stance on Big Mouth. Um, I think it's I think it's pure genius. It is. It really I think is. It, I mean, it's... This is what I... I mean, if there is any way to, like, <laughs> trick problematic, I don't know, guys... Mostly into understanding <laughs> the other, the a little bit more about, you know, how the other gender, you know, 
works and and being more sensitive and being more you know emotionally available and and you know not being a complete asshat about just how mm-hmm. things happen in terms of anatomy and 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 relations and whatnot this is the show you just get your problematic friend and you sit him in front of this mm-hmm. and you get him to watch this <laughs> because it's it's hilariously like it's hilariously educational even though it's like it's so crass but it's like they're tricking you into learning with the crass jokes <laughs> and and yeah i i was they, they, the best example of this i find is that in this second season there's a whole episode on depression because the gimmick of the second season is that um the first season dealt mostly with like hormones and stuff mm-hmm. but the second season brought in other kinds of um entities that plague us when we're um like adolescents so what's the name example, of the show again what's the name of the big show mouth, big mouth big mouth all right yes so for example there is um uh what do they call him they they called the entity the shame monster he's mm-hmm. the one that makes you feel guilty about everything that you do and makes right. you doubt yourself and all that and then they brought in <laughs> the the what they call the depression kitty <laughs> It's what plagues you and makes you feel sad and and down and and they had an entire episode because one of the characters is feeling is starting to feel depressed and starts pushing out all the other sort of um uh emotional architecture that makes her and lets in this other creature this entity and it depicted as a creature into her life and it starts swallowing up pretty much everything and sucking all of the so the the joy and anything that that she's even ever passionate about and i just thought that the entire episode was very well crafted oh, um, eventually wow. yeah. like i would have never thought that this kind of episode would show up in this show mm-hmm. and that's why i think it's not it's presenting itself in a way that is a way to hook unsuspecting people and then then the actual subject matter makes you stay and the, the some of the the um episodes are surprisingly um you know rich with with things that you can actually carry over into your actual life and it's so, an, it's animated i'm it's assuming it's all animated yeah uh-huh. it's on netflix okay yeah um yeah so that's, that was big mouth and then um the disenchantment um i finished i finished this um it's starting to fade a bit on me cuz um uh, i mean it's still funny but i mean again it's i think it's because like when you stack it up next to something like like big mouth you can see which one's clearly the better show right right and i think big mouth is winning over this enchantment because it doesn't have that residue that stays after where you're just like hmm that's actually pretty smart you know like it's just a it's just a jolly kind of a you know good time pretty much um speaking of tricking people into learning um i picked up watching this really interesting anime called Dr Stone um the premise is really in so the premise is this 
Um, one day, modern society, everyone's just, you know, uh, carrying on with their regular routine. And then suddenly, uh, a light appears in the sky and everyone on Earth turns to stone. Oh, wow. Oh. If you take your love from me, I'll turn to stone. <laughs> and then, flash forward to... 3,700 years into the future. Good Lord. George Jetson. All right. <laughs> and one person, at least one person we know in, in that particular area, suddenly the stone around him, whatever, cracks and he breaks out. And we learn that everyone that's in stone, they still have their consciousness. So they're still aware, but they can't do anything. They, and they do not age. He breaks out, and it just so happens that this is the main character, and he happens to be um, a, a bit of a a child prodigy scientist, right? And so the the show, the the anime, basically follows him as he basically makes um, he starts to rebuild his area or, or his part of the world with essentially with science. So you take all the knowledge that we had 4,700 years ago, right? The stuff that he's learned when he was in school and the things that he was interested in. And he's using that knowledge to figure out the whole everybody being petrified phenomenon and then rebuilding society in a way that is like um, progressive with science, right? So it's like starting human civilization from scratch, so the Stone Age, right? So we, we right. follow him as he makes tools. And the cool thing about the show I like is that almost every episode, you learn something about how basic phenomenon works in our universe, basically, right? The The episode I just finished, um, they, just, they just created um, a generator <laughs> for the very first time. And it's, they literally first had to figure out how to generate electricity. And then they had to figure out a way to create a generator. So that way, um, the, the characters, uh, the first thing that they do with electricity is for the first time ever, someone creates a light bulb or at least the, the, um, the Edison, um, sort of light basically. And it's just like mind blowing because I thought to myself, man, if I was a kid watching this show, science would look so awesome. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it would look so amazing. Definitely. Because every episode is just this really, a really, really fun way of making kids just learn about science in general. And it's not just really complicated science, right? You learn how to like build a fire. Uh, one character, he's he, apparently he's trying to make um, antibiotics for the very first time because people are getting sick. And so he's trying to figure, okay, well, I don't have any medical tools like from 3,700 years ago. What's the most basic stuff we can do? And so the first thing they, they go about trying to figure out is, okay, how do we make antibiotics? <laughs> I like it. It's blowing my mind. It's, it's, it's so much fun. The main antagonist really for the show really is that there's this one character whom they've broken out of the stone and his his whole um you know uh sort of mindset is that sure we can figure out a way to rebuild society and depetrify everybody but i only want to depetrify 
young people because I feel like the older generation they've messed up the the world that I remember with all you know all this you know politicians and the greed and like um, uh, pollution whatever I want to not bring back any of these people I want to bring back fresh new young people with talent and and skills and I'm going to reform this so that way what happened 37 years ago 700 years ago doesn't happen again this guy is completely anti-science and he's on like this sort of a um not a, really a murder spree but I'm going to call it murder if you just start smashing all these these stones which are actually wow. I can yeah because there's people in there yeah, yeah, exactly. So it's a race, basically. So what you have, what we have is a science race. You have one guy yeah. who is trying his fastest to rebuild and try to, to get as many people as possible because apparently we learned that there are other small civilizations and whatnot. Um, and so it's him versus this guy, pretty much. It's science versus brute force and, hmm. and a maniacal sort of a mentality. So, yeah. This is yeah. fascinating. I, I yeah. got a couple of questions. Uh-huh. So... When the ray of light happened that petrified everybody, what what was the century? What was the the age? Was it modern it's, age? It's this it's this year. It's us. So like um, 2019. Right now, contemporary okay. 20, let's say 2018, 2019. 2019. And then yeah. fast forward like they so pet- 37 years, 3700 years into the future. So when so when the first guy to break out of the stone 3700 years forward. Mhm. Was he the only one on the entire planet or were there so other he, people? So he thinks that at first until after a while he discovers there's there are other there might be other civilizations and some people may have broken out the stone many, 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 many years before oh. him. And so several civilizations are already generations created already. So it's like He's oh. broken out and he's already met the grandparents of people who have broken up before him. So when the light, the ray of light hit and everyone was petrified, the entire planet was turned to stone? Everything. And it's a real mystery as to oh. why that's happened. The only thing we know right now is every person got petrified. But funnily enough, animals stayed the same except for this one species of bird, the swallow. All of those got petrified too. So it's a mystery about why, and he's trying to figure it out with science, obviously. I like it. Where I is like this it. show? Yeah, so it can be found on the app called Funimation. It's where um, all of the oh, Japanese okay. animation from, the when they get dubbed over in English, mm-hmm. um, this company is the leading um, Western company in terms of dubbing over and presenting them streaming online. Okay. Pretty good. That's pretty good, Ali. Yeah. Animation. Yeah, but that's it for me. Okay, coffee light sweet. Well, I have a confession to make. Um, I um, was watching some reality TV, and <laughs> yeah, I'm just going to just stand in front of the congregation and just ask for forgiveness. So I was watching Married at First Sight. Um, anybody familiar with that show? A little yes, bit. Yes, I used to watch it. Oh my goodness! So basically, you sign up for an experiment. You you sign up for it. You know, you sign mm-hmm. up for it, and, and uh, for eight weeks, um, basically, you get vetted. You know, you meet with uh, psychologists and and uh, uh, spiritual leader, pastor, and others, and 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 you take tests and, and assessments or whatever, and you get matched with the person that you're going to marry. Um, and they let you know about maybe two to three weeks out that you've made the show because a lot of people apply. 
So they have to go through different rounds and rounds and rounds. About two to three weeks out, you find out that you made the cut, you make the show, and you will meet your spouse on your wedding day. You will actually meet the person that you will marry on the day of your wedding. You you get legally married and uh, you live as married people for eight weeks. And then at the end of the eight weeks, you have the decision whether or not you want to stay married or legally divorce. That's pretty much it in a nutshell. Mm-hmm. And um, this year, there was a couple, there were four couples, but for whatever reason, the one couple that caught everyone's like fascination was uh, this young lady. Her name is Iris and the young man, his name is Keith, both beautiful. To look at them, just very attractive. And when you see them together, it's like, oh, this is a really great looking couple. Well, Iris is a virgin and she made it known that she was a virgin and she was branded the show branded her like, you know, Iris, the virgin. Mm. So when you put that in the, exactly. When you put that in the mix, you say to yourself, uh, this could go one of two ways because the two people do not meet each other until the actual wedding day. So the groom, he knows he's going to meet this woman who will be his wife. But I'm thinking in the back of his mind, he's 28, she's 27. I'm thinking in the back of his mind, he's probably thinking, that's not an issue, probably. Well, they get married and he's obviously just enamored with her because she's very beautiful. She's looking at him and she's very pleased because he's very attractive. The groom's mo- the bride says to the groom's mother at the reception, I don't know what possessed the bride to say this. I don't know. She tells the groom's mother she's a virgin. I don't know why you would share this with your mother-in-law on your wedding day, you would share it with your groom. But anyway, the groom's mother, while she's doing her dance, the mother-son dance, whispers to her son, pretty much, um, yeah, I'm paraphrasing. Your your wife is a virgin. It freaks the groom out. He's He's freaked out because number one, he's just married a stranger. Number two, he's found out that his wife, the stranger, is a virgin. So in his mind, he's shifting everything. You could see him just like panicking a little bit because he wasn't expecting that. Well, the show goes through the eight weeks of them moving in together, learning each other, blah, da da. And in the back of everyone's mind who's watching the show, they're saying, all right, Iris, you know, she has a, a strong uh, religious bond relationship with God and everything. And she said she wanted to wait until she was married. Okay, we respect that. You're married now. This is your husband. Right. Um, she left the show still a virgin. Oh, okay. So they got divorced? Yep, they got divorced and she's devastated. And pretty much the groom said that uh, he didn't want the responsibility of in his words, being responsible for her sexual profile. He didn't want to be the one to teach her because... Well, it, I mean, that's understandable. It's understandable. Story, but yeah. And his thing was because if she gives her virginity to me and we still divorce, right. then it's going to be even worse for her. Right. So right. he was like, I... I this is a, this, I, I wasn't expecting... I was not expecting this. Right. I did not know, but and just, 
I don't, I don't want this. And her thing was, you didn't give me a chance. I, I really wanted you to be it. You didn't tell me this is how you felt. And it's just, so there are, there are like schools of thought mm-hmm. for the fans that watch the show. One school of thought is, hey man, you know, you should have hung in there and try to get to know her and, and, and let her know your thoughts, like really communicate with her your concerns and grow with her even after the show went off, you know, once you made the decision, still stay with her for a few months or a couple of months and see what life is like after the show with no cameras. And then if you decide, you know what, this ain't for me. I'm, I don't want this. That's one school of thought. The second school of thought was don't waste your time. Don't waste your time. If you really weren't feeling her like this, pull the Band-Aid and just let her get on with her life. Don't right. don't do it to her. Just it's gonna hurt, but just do it. So, so that was my confession. <laughs> and then the second thing was the show that um that Latria talked about, Evil. Mm-hmm. Um, do you watched I, it? I I'm nervous about shows like that because it's kind of yeah. like Fringe. Fringe meets the X Files. Yeah, but and it's like dealing with like I think possession and stuff. I exactly. think that's what turned me. Yeah. I was like, you know what? We, yeah. we ain't about to have them spirits come to my TV. You so. know, I <laughs> listen. No, I saw that on Coffee Line Street. What you just said mm-hmm. makes me think so hard about like actually yeah. considering because yeah, I like Fringe, but right. I do not like the whole. If it's concentrated on possession, I don't, I don't yeah, like like uh, what's the one with the was she her head turned around? Was it is it Poulter? Oh, that was um Exorcist. Exorcist, yeah, stuff like mm-hmm. that. I don't, mm-mm, I don't do that. Yeah, and the people that were in the Exorcist way back when have never been the same. Like their lives, okay, have just seriously, totally gone yeah. that way. Yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't fool with that. Yeah. So I, I'm, I, and they tried to soften the edges by saying, you know, it's not only um demonic possession you know it's also uh unexplained phenomena and i'm like no, no. you have a you have a catholic no. priest uh, uh, catholic priest uh, no okay this is people talking about so and so no this to, is no, um, no, no. Evil, evil the new show with mike coulter oh oh yeah and the name of the show yeah. was evil and then cbs was shocked me i was like yeah. y'all are about jesus yeah where, i where thought cbs was supposed to be geared towards like it is um, brennan did you what was, the, what was the demographic isn't that that's conservative white CBS? people mm-hmm. yeah so why why um, i guess I they're trying know. to trying to get us to watch us young uh, younger younger and more co- and or more colored people Mm-mm. We don't deal with them with that. We don't, we don't deal with do, yeah, We don't do that sort of thing. The <laughs> evil, right? Sorcery. But we watch. We, we'll watch Mike Coulter. No, that ain't enough. That is not enough. <laughs> <laughs> That's not enough. Not enough, sir. I'm sorry. Sure, try again. <laughs> right. What? Yeah, so, you know, I've been wrestling with that. And just the demonic uh, possession part, that strikes too close to home. You know, and I, 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 I don't want to invite that in. Uh, no, mm-mm. So, that's just like me. if it was about like serial killers. That's what I thought it was. But then when I saw, I was like, oh wait, these people are possessed. I was like, mm. yeah, like I didn't think they would be actually possessed. Right. Like I thought it would just be like somebody's. Somebody is making it seem like they're possessed because and to commit crimes. 
Right. Mm-hmm. That's what I thought. They got happening. one time for somebody to be like up on the ceiling and I'm throwing, <laughs> I'm throwing the TV you know, out. You know I'm going to write Comcast a, a nasty letter and be like, how dare you have this? Latria, you know the funny thing is, you said that, but every time that's ever happened on a horror movie, I've always cackled. Because it's just, it's so comical to see someone on the ceiling. No, <laughs> no. Mm. Any no. levitation, anything like that. It's like, okay. Although, now, back in the day, when I used to watch Days of Our Lives, when Marlena was possessed, man, I used to rush home from school to catch that. Because <laughs> that was actually hilarious. It was hilarious because, you know, the stories got, you know, they don't have the biggest budget. So right. <laughs> it was so fake. That's what you stuck with on stuff like, like Days of Our Lives. And what was the other one? Um, Days of Our Lives. Oh, and the other one that was... Passions. Passions. Yes. Oh, my God. They had to make it work. They had to make it work. Listen. Passion had witches. It was so good. We only got $50. It was was laughable because it was obviously NBC was like, you get $5,000. Make it work. Make it work. They're like, all right. It's, It's even more ironic that there was a small sect of high schoolers when I was in high school in Dominica. And all of them, though they have conservative families, they would be sneakily watching the show mm-hmm. and coming to school every day and talking about passions? what happened yesterday. Yes. Well, yeah, because remember back then, like Passions was like all the other soap operas had been on for like 20, 30 years already. So Passion was, was like the newest one and they had all young people. So it was really geared toward young people. It was so good. Oh, my God. It was the most, rid- I mean, the most ridiculous show, but yeah, so good. Yeah, I heard about the plot lines. Of it. it was, it was insane sounding. So, mm-hmm. I mean, that's mm-hmm. where Jesse Metcalf came from. Mm. Who? Jesse Metcalf. Well, you. Don't I know like- Laurie Metcalf from Roseanne. Yeah. Hold on, I could. The boy, I could have that wrong. Is Laurie um, Metcalf? That's the that boy Roseanne? that was. Um, yeah, Jesse Metcalf. Remember, he was from. Um, Desperate Housewives? Desperate Housewives, yeah. The little oh, gardener boy. The, the gardener, cook. okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's what he was. He was the little brother on Passions. He was Teresa's little brother on Passions. He grew up, didn't he? Mm. Yeah, okay. Yes, he did. <laughs> now he's on Hallmark okay. Channel. <laughs> oh, so he's making them, them, them Christmas movies. Yeah, mm-hmm. and he's on like one of their TV shows. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. Amazing. Mm-hmm. All right, let's go ahead on to the news. All right, so um, first up, we have another. I need like a um, like a an alarm, like a burp, burp, burp. I'm gonna put that in post. Let me make a note to myself to put that in post. Why? Uh oh. Why? Uh, because we have another. Remake, remake, burr, burr, remake, remake. That's coming. Um, remember when we said that Fox was canceling everything that wasn't an Avatar movie or a Planet of the Apes movie? Well, they found something else they want to make because apparently Ryan Reynolds has a production deal at Fox that's still in effect, even though you know Disney bought them out because they don't want to get rid of him because Deadpool, obviously. Mm-hmm. So, um, one of the productions as part of his um, his company wants to make is a remake of Clue. Hmm. Really? Yeah. I've never seen the original. Nor have I played the game. Right. So behind. 
So uh, Jason Bateman wants to direct this remake of Clue based on the, um, the board game, the Hasbro board game, and him and Ryan Reynolds are supposed to star in it. I'd watch that. I don't know. The writers of Deadpool of wrote the screenplay for Clue. Is oh. Clue was the original Clue movie? Was it like funny? Yeah. Yes, it, it was. Okay. It's kind well, of then this is perfect, then. Honestly, I think you me. would love the original Latria when you have the chance. Do try to watch it. Is the dude from? Uh, is is Tim Curry in it? Yeah. Yes. Okay. He is indeed. I feel like it was on TV sometime soon. Mm, it's like, on not, TV. Like a recently. Lot. I'll have to look it up. Hmm. Who was all in the original? Do you know? Let me go look it up. I just saw a headline that said that Kanye West was going to quit um, secular music and just make gospel. Yeah, okay. Don't. Move, no. Move no, Brandon. We're not do doing it. this. See, we were doing so well, Brandon. We not. Mm. We gotta, speaking of spirits, we ain't inviting that into... Mm-mm. I feel you. Wait. <sighs> apparently, so they're showing Clue in town in October if you want to see it. Why am I gonna pay for when I can wait till it come on like TBS <laughs> for free? Are you kidding me? It, like a repertory showing. No. Uh, original Clue starred um, Tim Curry, Ellen Brennan, Madeline Kahn, Christopher Lloyd, Christopher um, Lloyd, Michael McKean, Martin Mull, Leslie Ann Warren. Martin Mull, oh, that's the principal. Leslie Ann yeah. Warren. Oh, Leslie Ann Warren. Oh, wow. This Madeline. Colleen Kahn. Camp. Oh yeah. Okay. Jeffrey Kramer. What year? 1985. Yeah. I was like, Ooh, okay. Yeah, see, I was three. I yeah. wasn't trying to see no dog. <laughs> when you said Leslie Ann Warren, I was like, mm, 19. Oh, wow. It didn't make, it did not make its budget. Oh, no, it was a, it was a flop. Oh. But I feel like people, people like, like it. it. Yeah, they do. It's one of I guess it's like got, in the in the yeah. later years. Yeah. It got rediscovered, as they call it. Has it ever been remade? It's only just been that one? Just been that one. Okay. Well, I mean, it's been like 34 years. I mean, we can... I think it's... That's enough time to remake it. Okay. All right, so are y'all not excited about the remake? I got to wait until they get further along in production and show me some stills and I mean, trailer. it's Jason and Ryan, though. Like, I I trust them. I don't know. Jason Bateman is bae. <laughs> so is Ryan Reynolds. Definitely Ryan. I love Jason Bateman's, like, form of comedy. So what? I kind of feel like this would be something he would excel at. Okay. I mean, it could be good. We'll see. What I am less excited about is that Candy Burris is going to be joining the cast of The Shy for season three. I mean, first of all, who is even going to watch? So, I mean, somebody's going to watch it just to be. Does anybody on here have Showtime? I don't think none of us have watched. I don't think we do. (laughs) So, I'm not worried because I don't watch it. I mean, just can she act? What has she been in? Has she? No. Okay. <laughs> Escape music videos, literally. Ah, has she done play? Didn't she do one of them? She did. Negro she, plays? she did a Negro play. Yeah, that was in town a couple of years ago. Um, wow. She did that. It went on tour, and then the tour was canceled. Uh, mm-hmm. Other than that, I mean, I think she's acted a little bit here and there, but you know, nothing. Yeah. Too. Though I assume that, I hope 
<laughs> I hope that, you know, this part was not just, here, Candy, here's a part for you, that she had to audition and shit and show and be on tape. Mm, I doubt that. Who can I run to? <laughs> I wonder how the ratings are going to be for this new season. I don't know, because, I mean, you're replacing who is your nominal lead. For a good reason, mind you, but still. And meanwhile, he just be cutting up and folks uh, comments on Instagram like ain't nothing, like he didn't get fired from all his jobs. Really? Yeah, like, because I'll randomly, I think it was like, it was a a T.I. post randomly, like, recently. Um, And he was just in the comments just like, just making a funny comment. And I'm like, dude, what? Like, <laughs> like I'll like be looking at people's comments and he'll just randomly be in there just like, just posting comments. And it's like, so what, like, what are you doing? <laughs> what are you doing, sir? All Go right. away. Sit down. All right. So next up, um, let's get a little bit twisted. Um, so we are five days away from the wide release of Todd Phillips' new film, Joker. Uh-oh. Mm. Here we go. Based Don't very want. loosely upon the popular villain from the Batman comic books. Mm-hmm. Um, I just read a, right before we started that they had a quiet premiere. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's, that's what part of this. So uh, what had happened was that, you know, People, the reviewers have already seen the Joker movie. They've already seen the movie because they saw it at um, either at Venice or the Toronto Film Festival and reviewed it there. So it's already mm-hmm. been reviewed. Like rave reviews for Joaquin Phoenix's performance of the Joker. The movie, Ugh. well, the movie's at seventy-seven percent Rotten Tomatoes. It's it's hanging in there. They might it I'm, might get certified fresh. We'll see. I want it to fail. I don't think okay. it's going to fail. Fight financially, it kind of can't because they made it fairly cheap. I mean, it's nothing. Yeah. There's no special effects or anything really. Not, I mean, there's special effects. There's no like you know laser beams and shit you know in it. So you know it's got a modest budget. Um, but why do you, why do you want it to fail first? First up, because I don't care for Joaquin and at all. No, ever since Signs, I just I don't care for him. Not even Brother Bear. That's a joke. That's a joke. That's a terrible oh, okay. movie. Really? <laughs> I haven't seen that you either. Brother Bear? Yeah, I said Brother Bear. <laughs> wow. There's no. no way out of this dark place. Yes. <laughs> um, so they were, um, so the one thing that's popped up as a recurring point of contention is how violent the movie is. It's an R-rated mm-hmm. movie mm-hmm. that's designed being like sort of kind of vein of a Martin Scorsese 70s or 80s movie. And so there's a lot of actual um, blood gun violence in the movie. That's it right there. That's it, the word. Enacted by, you know, this, you know, white, this um, depressed white man who's taking his um, anger out on the world by becoming essentially a terrorist. Mm-hmm. And so there's been a lot of chatter about Regal and AMC stepping up their security. People figure out, well, do I need to be concerned about going to the see it in the theater? Is it gonna are it gonna get shot up like that crazy man did back in 2012 in Aurora? Mm-hmm. When he went to um the Dark Knight um returns or Dark Knight Rises and just shot up the whole thing and killed people. Um the families of five of the victims of the, um of that shooting was Aurora, was it Colorado? 
Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, they sent an open letter to Warner Brothers urging them to donate to um, causes about, you know, anti-gun violence and trying to promote pushing gun restrictions and everything. And making it clear to people that the Joker movie isn't promoting the violence and being concerned about the movie in general. They, I don't think they've done any of that, but we'll see. Uh, on the interview, because you know when you're opening a movie, you go sit down for weeks and weeks and weeks in front of everybody. Every single last venue comes in to interview you or you go, to, go out to be interviewed by them. And um, Todd Phillips, a director who up to this point has mostly made silly comedies like Old School and um, Road Trip and The Hangover Part 1, 2, and 3. And even to some degree, War Dogs, which isn't silly, silly, but you know, it's kind of like a lighter action movie with Jonah Hill and Miles Teller that didn't do very well, but was what got him to make this because they saw he could do action, I guess. Um, mm. He, They were asking him about the violence from the movie and he sort of cracked under the pressure. Um, while he's being interviewed by the rap, <laughs> by the rap's editor-in-chief, Sharon Waxman, at that. Um, this is what he said about the Joker movie. Uh, we didn't make the movie to push buttons. I literally described it to Joaquin as one, at one point in those three months as like, look... At, look at this as a way to sneak a real movie in the studio system under the guise of a comic book film. It wasn't, we want to glorify this behavior. It was literally, let's make a real movie with the real budget and we'll call it fucking Joker. That's what it was. Wow. See, I don't want to say that pissed <laughs> off every comic book nerd on the planet when he said that because, you know... How dare you, how dare you, how dare you call comic book book movies not quote-unquote real movies. Now, I understand what he was trying to say, but he said it wrong. He said it weird. Yeah, I can't understand what he's trying to say, too. What was he trying to say? Yeah. He he was trying to say they were making a movie that was about, like a a movie of the type that we would have made 20 or 30 years ago that was just a regular-ass film with a whole lot of blood and violence that was R-rated, and wasn't trying to cater to a four-quadrant audience and everything. You could you know, do whatever you pretty much you wanted to do with it. And you didn't have any obligations to tie it into sequels or a universe or any of that kind of stuff. Which mm. is what you do in a comic book film. Which mm-hmm. also is generally rated PG-13 so it can appeal to children and families. Okay. That's what he was trying to say. He said so essentially, wrong. <laughs> essentially, Todd, essentially, Todd Phillips, is be, he has adapted... To the times is what he's trying to say. He understands the current plane of the cinematic, um, you know, sort of um, atmosphere right. of the West right now. And he's realized what he needs to do to come out on top. And that is, as Brandon said, make a movie, right, about what you really want to, to do. Slap a name on it that mm. is um, something related to what... What is popular? What is hot right now? And what's hot right now is superheroes and mm-hmm. comic movies. And to be fair, I mean, to be clear, it's not really that they slapped the name on it. They just they took elements and did their own thing. It's not like they had another idea in place and they um, amended these things to it. It was literally, let's take these pieces of the Joker origin and make a movie around it. 
which I don't have a problem with that. I know a lot of people are like, <laughs> why is it exactly like the cops and everything? These are comic books. They are not the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, maybe a pitch black, violent Joker movie isn't what I want to see, but mm-hmm. I think there should be an ability to be able to make movies based on some of these characters, especially the older ones, like your Batman and Superman characters that have right. been made into TV shows and movies for as long as our grandparents have been alive and do something a little bit different. Like, it's, I think that should be a thing that you should be able to do without people acting a fool. But a part of that requires proper public relations, which is the problem here. Because also, um, Todd Phillips went on to uh, basically try to point out, well, you know, the mass shooter from the um, Aurora thing, he... People claim that he, that he said he was the Joker because he had orange hair, but he wasn't. He never said that. And then he also literally said, um, I don't know if it's in this paragraph here, but he he um, was basically said, what about John Wick? Let me go see if I can find his exact quotes about that. But he literally tried to be like, well, John Wick is violent. People love that. Nobody said John Wick was going to perpetuate um, people going out and causing violence. I think it's just a far left media. There's some shit like that. I'm gonna go look it up uh-huh. so I can get his exact uh, words and not make up some shit. But he, he he went he went he went off, and that is why there are no more interviews. They they called him into the office and said, "Yes, yeah, right. so we're not some media training doing any more interviews, sir. Thanks." Right. Let's wow. see. Here it was like um, scroll down, scroll down, scroll down, scroll down. Oh yeah, here we go. <laughs> Quite frankly, if you do your own research about Aurora, that gentleman wasn't even going in as Joker. That was misreported. His hair was dyed red. He was having, obviously, a mental breakdown, and there's something horrifying about that. But it wasn't related. They put their commas into the shit when they retype it. But it wasn't related to it outside of the fact that it happened at a movie theater. This is not the thing that the movie is trying to represent. The movie still takes place in a fictional world, it can have real-world invocations options, but it's a fictional character in a fictional world that's been around for 80 years. The one that bugs me more is the toxic white male thing when you go, oh, I just saw John Wick 3. He's a white male, he's not, who kills 300 people and everybody's laughing and hooting and hollering. Why does this movie get held to different standards? It doesn't, honestly, doesn't make sense to me. And then he blamed, like, the far-left media trying to starve some shit as well. Yeah, no, no. And Keanu Reeves is not white. He's only half white. Thank you. Oh, boy. Well, look, Brandon and Ali, y'all just make sure you have your Bible app open (laughs) when you go into the theater to watch this. It comes out Friday, right? It comes out Friday. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Uh, so after all this happened, um, Warner Brothers sent out a note that they were disinviting um, interviewers from the red carpet premiere that was last night in Hollywood. Wow. Uh, you, could, you could still come and take photographs. You could I think still that was come. smart. You can ask any questions. You can still come and watch the movie, but you can't ask a motherfucking question. Right. <laughs> They are shutting that down. I, and I agree with Brandon when you yeah. posted, you were just like, why why not just not invite Todd Phillips? Right, because now you're like Zazie Beats and, Bri- and Brian Tyree Henry can't get their interview stuff and promote their other projects as well. 
and shit. Yeah. And because this white man can't doesn't know how to answer questions on the um, interview circuit. And you've embarrassed yourself. Yeah. So now everybody's like, oh, ha, ha, DC sucks, as usual, when things like this happen, you know. Yeah, they just want an operation self-contained. Like, we, we want no... No percent, zero percentage of anyone saying anything to the press. Right. And, and this, I feel this like is the if, way to do it. And I feel, um, Coffee, Land and Sweet, I feel like I said, that's a really bad idea because, because the yeah. idea behind a red carpet event and your premiere is you want the interaction. The Promotion. interaction is what makes yourself, your characters, relatable to the people at home. You, you want them to... So you want all the buzz. You want you want to get the you know the exclusive scoop and all that sort of thing. I mean, you don't want to get the spoilers, obviously, and you right. don't want you know people to talk too much. But still, I feel like you should take all take out the the person who's the problem here, and the person is the director. Right. Let the him director say, let him say to promote home. his own movie. Well, let me ask you. Let me ask right. you guys. Let me ask you. Let me ask you. Let's say you know you're one of the decision makers at the studio. You're one of the the suits, right? I'm Mr. Warner. And, you miss okay, or, or, Mr. or you or, or Mrs. Warner, <laughs> Mrs. Warner, and you say, "All right, all right, children, okay, we're gonna do this press tour. We're we're gonna have interviews, but how? What would be the law of the land? Because it just takes one more person to get pulled into that web, and now you shot yourself in the foot twice. So, what would you tell the squad before they went out to the press junkets?" I would have hired media trainers. They would have found good ways to answer the questions mm-hmm. that were coming up and tell the um, mm-hmm. people to not get emotional about... Because what happens, he, Todd Phillips got emotional. He got yeah. butt hurt. He got he, he, he felt insulted. He got and he, provoked. And mm-hmm. as a white man, he felt like he needed to inform everybody at that moment that he was insulted. He couldn't wait to get home and be like, why did he ask me them damn questions, you know? Right. Right. He could have smiled yeah. and nodded and be like, oh, yeah, I don't know anything just, yeah. about that. Now, if it's see, Brad, what Brandon is also <laughs> what Brandon is also starting trying to say is that we in our community we've had years years of practicing shutting our mouth, greeting our teeth, and smiling. Yeah, because think about this: <laughs> they're treating this Joker movie. I've seen nobody really say this. They're treating it like ministers to society or Boys in the Hood, or even Malcolm mm-hmm. X back in the day when those movies came out. Everybody was like, the niggers are going to riot in the theater. We've got to get increased police security. And you'd always hear about one isolated incident of a fight or like a a shooting Mm -hmm. in one theater someplace, usually California for some reason. Mm -hmm. And and, and not even in like a hood theater, somewhere in like a suburb someplace often enough. So so what we're saying is that this is overcorrecting, overcorrection. I think this whole thing... I would not have pushed this much promotion into this movie because I would have just I would have put it out a little bit more low key, like it was um, the Judy Garland movie. But that what came about out the Oscar weekend. buzz, though? Wouldn't you want the yeah? But the Oscar That's the what Oscar they were buzz will happen regardless. But mm. oh, I get it because the Oscar buzz isn't dependent on the right on the, the the wider audience. It's dependent on the people on the who Academy have to vote voters on who gets the award. Exactly. So as long as they see it. That's right. all that matters. Because I feel like you, the problem, your biggest problem here is that Todd Phillips made a movie he doesn't understand that he made, which is which reflects some of the reviews as well. And he doesn't know how to answer these questions about it. And it's embarrassing Well, and everything like that. Well, Brandon, it sounds like as if he understands when he won part, one angle of the movie that he made. 
but he doesn't understand the wider repercussions amongst the, no. the community of people who've 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 been living with this character, who've been reading about this character for all their lives. Right. And so, all right. right. And he's so uh, Brandon and Ali. Let's rewind, okay? Mm-hmm. Let's let's rewind. Let's go all the way back before the fateful interview where said director proverbially Stuck shot himself foot. in the foot. Yeah, yeah, let's yeah. let's rewind. And now he is sitting in front of the same press corps again, right? And he's talking about the movie. And this is before the snafu. Mm-hmm. How how Ali and Brandon and and Latria should he have addressed this to have a different outcome where everything was just daisy what should he what should he have said warner brothers had already prepared a statement about the joker movie and the violence we like he was he just repeated that mm-hmm. and said that's our statement on the movie and that's really all i can say at this time um we mm. don't we are not we're not perpetuating violence but this movie is a work of fiction and we mm-hmm. want everybody to see the movie for themselves and judge it for themselves Mm-hmm. We are not trying to promote or um, make the Joker seem as if a person people should be like or admiring. He's still mm-hmm. a he's still a villain. He's still a bad person. Mm-hmm. We wanted to make a movie about essentially, yeah, essentially double down on the fact that that you yourself and the and Warner Brothers is not in any way promoting violence, and also use the knowledge that you know of the character. Mm-hmm. The Joker, and mm-hmm. use that and say essentially that this is not the kind of person in society that you want to lift up, right? This is somebody. This is a tragic story of someone who descends into a criminal um, sort of undertaking that should mm-hmm. not be repeated. That's what mm-hmm. you say. You don't talk about yourself, mm. <laughs> and you don't yeah. talk about. Don't get wrapped up in what oh, how you feel about it. Mm-hmm. All you have to do is just say we don't promote. We don't promote this. This is just like Brandon said, a work of fiction. Yep, that's it. What about you, Latria? I I agree with that. Yeah, I so, agree with so, that. So he he got. He got distracted by his own emotions and, got, and he and, and he his got, own ego. Yeah, got hooked. He got hooked into it. Got a big ego. <laughs> yeah, that's unfortunate. That that's a tough lesson. He won't do it again. He showed the fuck. Well, he won't do it again. That's a tough no. lesson. I wonder now. A tough lesson. What the box office will be like because it, it a couple of weeks ago they said it was going to make eighty million opening weekend. I said bullshit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's too high. I was, I was like, maybe forty or fifty, but just because it's a fucking Joker movie, don't mean it's gonna make eighty million. It's still rated the fuck R. Right. Um, now after this, everybody's like, oh, I'm not going to see it in the theater. Yeah, it's, it's like a cloud. There's a cloud over it. Yeah. yeah. This, you know, nobody wants to feel unsafe. It's yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Like a- I wouldn't even want to go to the movies while that movie is still in theaters. Like. Mm. That's yeah. just how I feel. Yeah, yeah. He won't do that again. That that if the woof, yeah. There were lots of meetings. Lots of meetings. Uh-huh. Lots of meetings. He might be done at uh Warner Brothers. Yikes. Okay. Mm, I don't know, because after the Star is born, that sort of kind of kept him there. He produced oh. that. Oh, okay. So it depends. We'll see. Mm-hmm. I think what was I gonna ask? Is there this is the last thing before we move on. I guess, because this is a question that everybody else has asked except for us. 
Should they have made this movie in the first place? Is there a room? No. Is there a room in culture to make? Because, I mean, like, people say, look at Logan. They made Logan. But, like, is there a room in culture to make sort of kind of like a really dark, twisted, and not in a Zack Snyder, 13-year-old boy, dark, twisted way, but literally, like, this violent, bloody movie about this character who was created to entertain children 80 years ago? Well, 70, because it's working in 1940. 79 years ago. I think it all depends on what version of the character you want to exactly. put out there. Because and the if character you want to has evolved. It, yeah, character and has this, evolved. this character is too close to like these psychos that are running right. around now. Exactly. So it's just, exactly. and it's it just giving them like, oh, wow, look, someone to look up to. Exactly. And if you put, if you put the classic character out there, the, the classic one, the one that, that, you know, we grew up on, would that sell? So you're in a quandary. We got something that, that can sell. It's ultra violent, right. but are we, you know, taking the seal off of the crazies, but we want to make money too, because it is right. a business. Then on the other hand, we have the classic character that's pretty much tame. You can take your kids, you know, we can see that he's, he's a villain, but he's a cartoon villain, literally. Can we make money from that? Will people pay money to see that in a theater? And will and will we get awards? Because the main reason they made this right. this way was because they wanted awards attention. They wanted awards. to try to make a. They wanted to do what Logan did and try to get prestige people. Who to was the pay attention. Who was the actor? Who was the actor that passed on? There was an actor who put this character back on the map. He passed Heath on. Ledger. Heath Ledger. Yeah, they're chasing the Ledger. Because he, um, yeah, he won the Oscar for Best Supporting Actor um, right. posthumously. Right. Mm-hmm. So they, I, I think, I think that they're chasing that because they realize. But even still, now I did not see Leisure's rendition. Did you guys see it? Oh, yeah, it was. Yes. Oh, it was amazing. All right, it was amazing. It was also it was very magic. it was very dark version of the Joker. It was, was very twisted, very dis- disturbed. He wasn't okay. necessarily funny at all. Yeah, so, no, he so, was scary. He was scary. He was twisted and he was dark. Mm-hmm. But did you did you have a sense of foreboding like what's happening now? No. No. Mm-mm, no. So what not. so what's the difference between Keith Ledger's is it the time that we live in? Like back it's the then? The time that we live in is it's the yes. it's the yeah. whole thing of incels and Reddit and these yes. already these random okay. acts of violence that have been happening okay. across the country yeah. okay. ever since that right. man got into the okay. White House. Yeah. Okay. And yeah. people I have been Heath people Le- have been doing <laughs> sorry, go ahead, Latria. I was gonna say, and I liked Heath Ledger so <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that also yeah. helped. But, but these past couple of years these past couple of years, people have been doing the most. They really the absolute yeah. most, right? And anybody yeah. and, and can and so put on right now. Yeah, anybody could put it because, like you know, it's not the Joker, like the comic book where he fell into the vat of of right. magic chemicals, came out twisted and crazy and violent, mm-hmm. and, and super smart, you know, bad but bad guy. This is a regular ass white man who went to Party City and got some makeup and put yeah. it on in a costume and started shooting people. Anybody yeah. can do that. And we're so also in the no, age yeah, of like, yeah, we're also in the age of like toxic masculinity mm-hmm. and people not learning how to deal with rejection, how to deal with their anger right. and whatever, you know, whatever other issues or feelings that they have. And so they lash out at other people who they feel like have mistreated them or isolated them. Mm. And it's just like, okay, but people have their own lives just because nobody wants to talk to you or wants to like, you know, 
be your friend doesn't mean like, oh my God, everyone's turning against me type thing. So it's just, yeah, it's, it's too on the nose with what's going on today. So, so if the Ledger version, the, the this version that's coming out this week never, mm-hmm. never existed. It was somewhere in the clouds. If the Ledger version came out instead right now for the first time, mm-hmm. right now, the Ledger version, uh-huh. would it would it have the same effect and 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 ripple effect as this one does? Not as much, some would. I also feel like they would have not shown the movie early because mm-hmm. the, the Dark Knight was still supposed to be a tentpole superhero film. Okay. So they yeah. would have waited until it actually came out and you would have gotten the backlash after the film was out and it would have been different because people would have been arguing in favor of the film having actually seen it. A lot of the thing with this movie is that people have not seen it. They've only heard tell about it. I see. And I and like, and we, we, I mean, we, that's all we have to go on, but a lot of these people, it's not like people are lying about it, but it also is the thing of where we are, it is kind of a game of telephone to some degree. To some so degree. We're- so we're in a we're in a uh, uh, a game of wait and see. It comes out Friday of this week, mm-hmm. so I guess by the next weekend, and so here does, it comes. So does the Dolomite. So you know, decisions have to be made. <laughs> right, right. Oh, is it going right. to be on Netflix? Wait, how long oh, no. is it going? It's going to instantly be on Netflix at the end of the month. It comes out. Okay, in so it's in the movie first. Okay. Yeah, on Friday. That's what I was just trying to figure out when the timetable was. And I, I, I'll, I'll wait. I'll wait till it gets to Netflix. The Joe, we gotta go. <laughs> we can find a theater that's not showing Joker, but it is showing Dolomite. I'm certain one exists in this town. It's the art house. Somebody has to do it that way. I'm, uh, we got to go mm. see Dolomite in the theater. Mm. Fuck the Joker. Fuck Joaquin Phoenix. Fuck Todd Phillips. Fuck, fuck <laughs> shit. Fuck, uh, what's, my, what's that white man's name? Bob Kane. Fuck Bill Finger. Fuck Dick Sprang. Fuck all of them. Fuck, 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 Mr. fuck DC. Fuck Warner Bros. Fuck Jack Warner. Harry Warner. All the Warners. I need to see that Dolomite Eddie Murphy film in a theater with y'all. There's a lot of intercourse happening this weekend. Okay. Yeah. Well, I live in Harlem, so I'll be down the, down the block uh, at the Magic Johnson to see this because uh, I, I know how my folk get. Oh, oh yeah, you're going to have a good time. So it's just going to be <laughs> hilarious. And I'll be right in the middle row, kicking <laughs> and screaming at the screen. Yeah, so. So. Oh, looks like we're all about to go to the Wizard Kelly Theater. See Not this. Wizard Kelly. Wizard Kelly. <laughs> Is Wizard Kelly like the Magic Johnson down there? I don't know. He's the uh, fictional character in um oh. in Proud Family that uh, Yeah. Is that yeah. Uh, <laughs> he's supposed to be uh he's supposed to be a parody of of Magic, Magic Johnson. Johnson. Mhm. I tell you, that Magic Johnson theater, you when you come to to need, you listen. You want the experience. Uh-huh. <laughs> hey, don't go in there. It's everything. <laughs> it's just like, what? Oh, he got a knife. Exactly, and just like uh, just like Regina Hall's character in yes, in with the popcorn, uh-huh. it is everything. It's just like okay, oh hell no, that's it, <laughs> that's it, and you're just like oh well. well I-, I mean, that's what I do regularly. I'm pretty sure mm-hmm. people don't like mm-hmm. being in the movies. It's, it is an experience. Now, if you grow up, I, I do that by myself because you yeah. should have seen me when I went to see us by myself. I was like, oh, uh uh-uh. uh. Oh, yeah, there was a lot of that. There was a lot of that, you know. And I love to see when um, 
when the tourists come, people come, they stay in the area, whatever, they come to tour, visit or whatever, and they come yeah. to a, a matinee or a show and they're just like, what a guest. on <laughs> earth is happening? What is this? And they look around like, so you guys do this on a regular? Like, this is normal. <laughs> this is normal. This is, the, this, oh. this is the default. And the beautiful part is they get into it. They're like, oh, okay, well, I'm going to talk too. Let me say something. And then they're going to go home and get shushed to death. <laughs> right. <laughs> Probably like, by okay. me. They're like, okay, this is the custom. This is what you all do? Okay, well, I can, let me say something. You know, it's hilarious. Right. It's it hilarious. And uh, it's just what it is. Just what it is. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I feel bad. I feel bad for, well, you know what I mean. I just, it's, you can't do these things, man, with these big budget movies and everything is resting on it and press and budget and media well, and everything. Oh. I guarantee this movie will make enough to to justify its cost. It only costs $50 million. And that's, that's a, it? That's it. I mean, it's, there's no, that, don't, don't shit happen in it, but gun violence and, and, oh, and, yeah. And drama and a sad white man walking around to sad music. Yeah. I mean, there's no, you know, nobody flies or shoots laser right. bolts or anything like that. All the CGI, CGI is dedicated to taking out people's satellite dishes and making mm-hmm. cars look old. You know, it's that sort of a thing. Mm-hmm. That's pretty I much gotcha. it, really. All, well, all the CGI is just set dressing, and that's pretty mm-hmm. much it, really. Well, this is just a, a case study in, like, you know, just stick to the script. Just right. Stick to script. Just don't don't veer off. Mm-hmm. So this I, this cheap ass movie is gonna make money. Yeah, <laughs> well, yes, it will. But I feel like also just um, at the end, an uh, idea like this works better in a comic book, like with the audience that these things are dead, like because they are used to the regular things so often. And you get them a new version, you can do a weird take. DC is kind of notorious for doing weird takes on their stuff. Like there's comic books with Superman. Um, flew his rocket ship landed in Russia instead of the United States called Superman Red Sun they're making that into one of those direct to video animated films right yeah, now they better, not, they better not put that out they're oh, not no. putting that in theaters at all but you know he lands in not in Russia mind you the USSR let me, oh, be, let mm. me be clear <laughs> that's, yeah. that's a whole not different Russia, USSR oh my God. Russia yikes okay yes, yes. and everything mm-hmm. that that entails is what that story mm-hmm. is about mm-hmm. um I mean, Not like, Batman stories that are very popular now, like The Killing Joke, were these R-rated takes by Alan Moore that were not what the comic book was about quite at the time. It's taking what it was about and making it kind of like how this Joker movie is, because that's the, that's the story where they paralyze Batgirl and the Joker rapes her and paralyzes her. Oh, no. Oh. Nope, 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 nope. Me too, me too. Nope, 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 yeah. nope, 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 nope. Yeah, they turned that into an animated film. A couple of years ago, it was very mm-hmm. much rated R, so, mm-hmm. and I and I, I heard it was terrible. I didn't watch it. I think it's on here mm-hmm. somewhere in my collection, but I haven't watched it yet. Yeah, Brandon, but yeah, like um, that sort of thing works better in a comic book because when you yeah. put it in a movie and put it in front of a regular audience, they are mm-hmm. they have they're going to take issue with it because you're putting it into like a a movie where things are heightened and it's more real mm-hmm. to you than something yeah. that's drawn on a page. Yeah. And it's, I agree. And, it's too, and it's more readily accessible to everybody than right. in a comic book. Right. I have a yeah. question about that, though. Mm-hmm. Um, in comic books nowadays, whenever they explore topics like this, is there a disclaimer in uh, in the front of the comic book? Comic you books know are rated. These... They are rated. If your comic book is not like a... Re- like, the regular comic books are rated T for teen. 
You're supposed to be 13 and older to read a regular, like, DC or Marvel comic book. Mm. They have children's versions that are printed separately for all ages. And uh, where they either reprint really old stuff or they have new versions where it's based on, like, the cartoon shows that are on the cartoon channels. They also have ones where they say, for mature audiences only, where they do things like showing Batman's penis or... or We talked about it last week. Listen oh to last week's show. You said the same thing last week. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Or reprinting Watchmen. Because Watchmen's a good example. That's a weird take on some older characters that DC had just bought and turned it into this property Watchmen that's, you know, ultra-violent and ultra-dark and ultra-sexual and all that kind of stuff. Well, I'm still stuck on Batman's penis. Hello. I... Mm-hmm. We'll talk offline. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, it's okay because it got because it got re it got reprinted and it was covered up more, right, Brandon? Yeah, they, yeah, they reprinted it and removed it out of the book because everybody oh. had a fit. <laughs> oh man, that's lame. <laughs> no, you mean you mean that you mean that's limp. You know oh. what? Okay, <laughs> no, moving on. Moving on. Latria, Latria, it's Bruce Wayne. It's Bruce Wayne, not Bruce Wang. <laughs> oh, my God. You know what? Okay, let's oh move my forward. God. In happier comic book movie news. You too, um, Ali. Um, a, two other companies <laughs> have decided to get back together for the children. So, um, Sony Pictures Entertainment Woo! and Marvel Studios have signed a Yay. new deal that will allow them to make one more Spider-Man movie for Yay. Sony and have Tom Holland appear in one more Marvel Yay. Studios film. Yay, Tom! My boo, my boo coming back. So, He's they'll so let him right. finish out his contract. He's so That's cute. right. Kevin Feige will produce the Spider-Man movie. Perfect. Like he did the other two. I mean, who else? And they, they sort of hinted at the idea that, you know, Sony still wants to do their own Spider-Man cinematic universe thing. Oh. And Spider-Man can apparently jump dimensions. So I'm assuming that this movie would end with him sort of jumping dimensions into a, like a different dimension. And then he wakes up and he's a different actor and all that kind of stuff, you know. Well, we'll take it one step at a time. We'll Sony, a at a Sony time. give him money. Too much. I mean, because the, th- the thing is, it's, it wasn't going to be a permanent getting back together anyway. We, we, they knew. Yeah. We knew they that. knew. They looked at the numbers. They were like, let's get this money. Hold yeah. on a second. Let's, I let's just talk hate about that this. they even still have Spider-Man. I wish it could be all with Marvel. Mm-hmm. Get on my nerves. Well, I'm, but I'm, I'm glad that they worked this out because yes. I'm like, how... I mean, he's too entwined into the Avengers now. Like, you know, this iteration of Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, how are we going to have a movie? He was like... You know, depressed over, you know, spoiler alert, Tony Stark dying. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I was like, how y'all gonna how y'all gonna do that? They wanted that. He they was such a heavy there. presence in yeah. both of the freaking Spider-Man movies. They knew a good thing. Yeah. Like we gotta we gotta work this out. It would Pete. not have made sense if all of a sudden mm-hmm. it's just like he don't mention Mm-mm. nothing about the Avengers. They all. went to the corner Starbucks and got a corner table. <laughs> <laughs> and they got a, a legal pad and some sharpies, and they were like, "All right, this is yeah. what we got. This is what you got. Let's 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 make this right. Come on. Right, we can do this. we can do this now." In addition, mm-hmm. uh, Sony also signed a deal with Disney proper that will mm-hmm. allow them to um, continue to have the Disney channels, including the new Fox stuff like FX and 
National Geographic on their PlayStation View um, streaming cable TV service. Oh, okay. It's one of them things like Direct TV yeah. now or like that. Yeah, where, yeah. We can watch it on any device. Mm-hmm. So it is very- I've heard people really like the PlayStation View service. Like yeah, I heard it's good. I heard it has a nice interface. Mm, that's what. I, yeah, that's what I heard too. Yeah. And on their own, Sony is still making Morbius starring Jared Leto. Making who? Morbius is a Spider-Man villain. He's a vampire. Oh, God. Ooh, um, I'm interested. You're the only one. Um, <laughs> well, I mean, I like vampires, so that's why. <laughs> <laughs> um, and um, they're also making now a Madam Web movie, which is a Spider-Man spinoff character. And, it's a woman, I'm guessing? yeah. But it's 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 literally it's she's kind of down the echelon of Spider-Man is she characters. Black? I don't believe so. I think she's a white woman. Let me go look her up. Are they um, gonna make her black? <laughs> I don't. Anything's possible. Anything's possible, right? Or you know, Latina or something. Or let's go look her up. Uh, Madam so Webb. Madam Web appeared in the nah, she's, cartoon she's white. in the nineties, and she's very white. She's a white mm-hmm. older woman who I became. Mean... Who's who's confined to um, a wheelchair, and she has oh. apparently some kind of. Are you of said like, an older woman? Yeah, she's an older white woman confined to a wheelchair, and she like has how old? like older as in gray haired out. <gasps> oh, so they can get Helen Mirren because that is my probably boo. they could do that. Oh, I'm with it. I Please, like it. Helen. Um, Please, the, I like it. That character, she would do she's, it. She's, she's a badass. She's kind of clairvoyant, and so she's been. She helps Spider Man. Oh hell, they're gonna get Tilda Swinton probably. <laughs> you know, she play every either her or what's the other lady that was. Um, she's about just as pale as Tilda Swinton. Um, shit, I think I said Tilda because I just saw a clip of. Uh, you mean um, Judy Dench? No, no, no. She's no. younger. She's about the oh, same age as Tilda Swinton. Um, yeah, she's like but, by yeah. as pale as Tilda Swinton, but her hair isn't as white. Blonde. Jessica Chastain. No. Uh, no. Wait. No. Hold but on. Jessica Chastain, though, she could stand to stand in the sun for a little while. Yeah, just just a bit. Who, is, who am I thinking? Oh. Oh no. Is uh, it her I'm thinking of? No. But yeah, people have been clowning the whole Madam Web thing because I mean, it's kind of it's it is like making. <laughs> a Black Adam movie. <laughs> oh. Or to translate it to, it's like if they made a, not Joker, but I don't know, like a, a Condiment Man movie. Condiment like Man, a, yeah. Condiment Clock, Excuse or, me? Or like Clock King, one of these like really low down the totem pole Batman villains or like a, or a, well, they made a whole Jim Gordon show. Let's go back say a Jim Gordon movie. They made a whole fucking Jim Gordon show. It's called Gotham. So, hey. Or, uh, and they have an Alfred oh, show on another channel called oh Pennyworth. Oh my god! So yeah, it's all, is that on the Epics channel? Yeah, I, don't on get Epics. That, I don't get that channel. Yes, yeah, it's, it's a one well, a premium service. <laughs> it's full of shows like that. Is the only difference with this one is that it's branded with <laughs> Batman's with ba- with Batman's Butler's name. It's basically a spy show set in the sixties. It's not really like anything like right. superhero. Right, exactly. Well, listen, I'm for Madam Webb if they get uh, my girl, Helen Mirren, because she is a badass. All right. We'll, we'll see. I don't I don't know how I feel about it quite yet. Um, <laughs> let's go ahead on to our discussion. 
All right. So as we all know, we are in the wonderful midst of a renaissance in African-Americans and Black people in just period appearing in cinema. Yay. Um, in cinema and on TV especially. We mm. shall overcome. Yes, we have. Someday. And, um, and, <laughs> and a lot of the acclaim of some of these things has to do with the fact that um, when they make these productions, we actually appear on the screen properly. <laughs> right. Um, and not just as a shadow moving across right. the screen. <laughs> not just as teeth and eyes or just a shadow or <laughs> like looking like <laughs> a, just like a, a high lip, um, just like thing going across the screen that looks crazy. Uh, because you mean we like a finally, specter? yeah, we have, you know, these, you know, new up and coming filmmakers, like, um, not up and coming, some of them, but like some of them are established, like Bradford Young and Rachel Morrison, who, you know, have done these movies with these directors like um, Ava DuVernay and Ryan Coogler, mm-hmm. where they are taking special care in how they are lighting black people. And how they're showing the contrast and skin tones and, you know, making everybody look good. Mm-hmm. And it's literally like you've mm-hmm. only ever mm-hmm. seen this happen it's in beautiful. maybe Spike Lee films from um, like when Malik Saeed was still doing his cinematography before he went on to do his own thing and do like music videos and stuff. Really, music videos and Spike Lee movies and a couple of other like indie black films from the 90s are the only times you've ever seen black people filmed properly before like the current era of these current films. Why is that? Surprise, surprise. <laughs> Film itself is fucking racist. <laughs> or at least it was. So let's go back, way back. Um, you know, so back in the old days, when you had regular actual celluloid film, whether it was motion picture film or still film, you know, what you got... What you saw on the day wasn't necessarily what you got when you developed the film because you had to go into a dark room or a laboratory and literally use chemicals to pull the color out of the film and print it to a positive. Because, you you know, you film a negative and you print it to a positive. So it goes through, like, this whole chemical chemical, photochemical process in order to do so. Um, How about the fact that because everything was calibrated in order to make white women look good. Not only were there no references for how to properly um, develop photographs of darker-skinned people, the actual necessary chemicals were not necessarily present in either the film or Mm. the developing chemicals or any of the other, like, analog processes or devices used to actually produce film prints. Right. So it's like doomed from the start. Doomed. Basically. There from was literally the nothing start. you could do to make black people look better. Right. You you we kind of look if you ever seen old color films, like old technicolor films, Gone with the Wind is a good example, or or even going cheaper, um, that um uh, Tom Sawyer movie from 1938 that we saw in um school, um, where the black children show up and everything and just like I remember poor little Philip Hurlick. He was a child actor back then. He plays, um, well, we'll call him Little Jim. Um, Mark Twain called him something else. Um, oh. Yeah. Uh, and I remember just like, there's this, there's some scenes in that movie where he just floats across the camera like 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 the shadow. 
Mm. I mean, this is a Technicolor movie. Everybody else is sitting there, they're blown out. And just like, you know, they got on these bright colors and everything, these bright costumes. And poor Philip Hurlick just looks like, it was like a like 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 somebody took a dot and slid it across the screen as he's moving through the frame. And I'm like, why? Why is this like this? Uh, and so the thing is, apparently, back in the old days, in order to develop film, they had to use reference cards from the student from the company that made the film, usually Kodak back then, that sort of kind of showed this is what your film should look like once it's developed, and this is how. You can uh, use this card to sort of kind of calibrate how the printing process goes. They were called Shirley cards, probably because the first model who was on it was probably a woman named Shirley. But more important than her name was her ethnicity. She was always a white woman. Okay. And so you developed film technology and films themselves to optimize how white women appeared in them. So if you were anything else, Latin, Asian, Indian, African, Middle Eastern, anything else, Aboriginal from Australia, all bets were off. (laughs) And nobody cared, of course, because racism, quite frankly. Call it whatever you want. It's fucking racism. It's casual racism. It's the kind of racism that nobody thinks is harmful, even though all racism is harmful to some degree. It wasn't until the 1960s and 70s when they decided to start trying to make the film do better as far as as reproducing Browns. And it was not because they wanted to make Black people look better. Do you know why films started producing browns better? I just read that and, and now I'm pissed. Ali, do you know? <laughs> yes, I do. It was so that they could properly do advertisements mm-hmm. for chocolate for and furniture. Furniture. Hershey got mad and what, like, so I was like, Can so all the black imagine? people didn't matter, but because... You know, that we can't tell the difference between mahogany and teak and, <laughs> and whatever else color wood. And yeah. Hershey can't sell their chocolate bars good. Yeah, because how much is the differentiate between dark chocolate it. and milk chocolate? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but she didn't care about all the black people. But it's but so, so here's the thing. Your candy and your furniture. <laughs> Latria, so here's the thing. What if let's let's just let's just um consider for a second a world where Wood was actually all the color of silver. And let's say cocoa beans. <laughs> and, and, and let's say cocoa beans were all stark white. <laughs> we would still be living in a world where black oh, people yeah. would not even be considered to be, um, you know, to, to, at, to at least have our palettes being considered when um, shooting um, either TV or, or, or video for movies. Pretty much, yeah. We would not be yeah. on the. We would not be on the. Um, Brandon, what did you call it? it? What is it called now? Is it still called a Shirley card? It's still called a Shirley card. They have. They started coming up with new ones in the eighties and nineties, where they started putting black people and Asian people and Latin people like on the cards okay. as well. Yeah. So we wouldn't even be on the Shirley card still <laughs> if it wasn't for the Can fact that it's a, that wood just happens to be brown. <laughs> right. Listen, I'm a star. Probably would have never been made. <laughs> roots, roots wouldn't have been made like none of that because like, we would be nobody 
Because the thing is, like, there was always a tendency, even when, like, they started making, like, blaxploitation and, like, black TV shows, and they were trying to figure out how do we make these people look better on film or on Mm -hmm. tape, the tendency was always to wash us out. To, like, you know, turn the bright, like, how bright, like, the lights that were flooding the set, bring everything up, which kind of renders us one flat color. Right. And doesn't make, like and sort of kind of reduces the amount of you know modeling that you call it on people's faces. Like you, you see like the sides and the shadows and everything and the highlights and all that kind of stuff. And the which is really differences in skin because, tones. Which is really unfortunate because you really need that depth to happen on a face so that way you can tell that it's three D and it's not just some a flat, a flat picture image. you're looking at. Yeah, there was also an issue where they didn't make you know black makeup in different shades when mm-hmm. we talked about on the Motown 60s show about the Supremes. everybody looked freaking gray back yeah. then. Jesus. Yep. The Supremes were, you know, they were some of the first black people that people saw on TV who weren't maids or servants or like that. Uh, there's a story where they were on one of their first TV appearances and they were having their makeup done by the white woman who was the makeup artist. They looked into the mirror and they were like, they look like black. They were in blackface because she just took some dark makeup and just went to town on them. And they're all three of those girls were three different shades, <laughs> and not none of the shades that they were were what was used in their makeup. So they decided they did their own makeup themselves really quickly, and they sort of kind of did that themselves. Um, some of the other acts weren't as lucky. Uh, the Temptations, for example, were all five different shades. They all looked the same shade whenever I saw them on TV. I actually saw what they actually looked like in real life when they did like a documentary <laughs> special back in the old days for like a, a local Detroit news station. And they found the footage recently in color. And I was like, oh, shit, they are five different shades. <laughs> How about that? <laughs> <laughs> and you never noticed it because... They didn't know how to make them up properly. And so you get to, like, you know, Spike Lee coming along in the 80s and 90s. And, you know, he's revolutionizing how we're seen in film, how we're, like, written in film. And, you know, and he's making these, you know, uh, she's got to have it in school days and do the right thing, where he's basically having to reinvent the wheel on his own. He's got, you know, people like um, Malik Saeed and um, Ernest Dickerson working with him, and they're reinventing the wheel with him in order to sort of kind of get his vision across of properly showing Black people as beautiful as possible. And it makes, the funny- it, it makes his Oscar win that much more. Re- like, the, the fact that it took that long for that, him to yeah, get, that like long. an Oscar win is kind of ridiculous. Like, forget, let's say, let's exclude, for example the stories that he tells. But the (laughs) fact that alone, that alone, the fact that the way Black people are portrayed in terms of their physical appearances in films, that in itself is revolutionary and that deserves some kind of accolade. Mm -hmm. Indeed. And so we come to to this modern era where we have people like Bradford Young and... um, What's the name of the lady who is the main photographer for 
Her name is Ava Burkowski, and she's a white woman. And so is Rachel Morrison, who did Ryan Coogler's Fruitvale Station and um, Black Panther. And Bradford Young is a black man from, um, from Howard University, where a lot of these newer black cinematographers are being trained at. And they talk about all these things and, like, you know, how they are trying to make sure that they, they show people on film, we use the light not to wash them out, but to actually to sculpt them, give them highlights and darkness, but keep it to where they can be seen properly in their natural state. Mm-hmm. You know, pay, att- pay attention to these states, make them look you know, beautiful, handsome, or whatever, like that. Right. So the different dimensions. Right. Same way we've been doing to white people for a hundred years plus. Right. And so, you know, like, look at Selma, look at, look at Black Panther. I mean, look at how people look in these movies, like, you Mm -hmm. know, and just like how you just feel that people actually care about what's going on and what is being done. And it's the good feeling. It's so strange because like, there was, so everybody, of course, has message boards in every industry. A lot of them are public. I remember, because um, I am nosy, um, <laughs> going across a message board for um, gaffers, people who design lighting for film and TV. One gaffer had made a very tentative post because he worked on the Bernie Mac show. And he had um, questions Wait, no, no, no. This guy had questions and somebody answered who worked on the Bernie Mac show. He was asking for advice on how to light black people because he'd never done it before. Oh, Lord. And he was scared. And he went on a message board? Mm -hmm. Jesus. Mm -hmm. And somebody gave him advice. You know, you just have to make sure that you're um, specializing, like you're dedicating special light to each person. You know, have bounce boards or train lights or whatever like that because everybody has different skin tones and shades. And one person who said they worked on a Bernie Mac show, they had to use a whole lot of light in order to properly light Bernie because he was dark skinned. And like the thing is, like they were so afraid in that thread about, am I saying the right or the wrong thing? Will I get fired or, you know, crucified for asking these questions? And I wanted to respond and be like, no, ask these questions so we don't appear on film looking like teeth and eyes. <laughs> right. But yeah, I feel like a lot of the times people are just scared to ask those questions. And so it, it turns into weird shit where you have people um, casting for car commercials where they say, we want an African-American person, light-skinned, please. Mm-hmm. Not too dark. And then you notice a lot of these commercials, they they hire almost exclusively mixed people. Yep. Like you hardly ever see dark skinned people in these commercials because it's easier just to hire some mixed children and say, hey, we've got a black person. There's the one there. You know, they Except got- for Ford. Ford usually almost always has people who are either like brown to darker skinned. I've noticed. That's good. They should make. But I think cars. that's. I feel like they have some. <laughs> I feel like they have somebody black in whatever marketing department or whatever. They might do. But they I've noticed do. that they have like. They mostly have like darker skinned people in their commercials. But yeah, but it's definitely a good thing um, to yeah. to do that. And I have questions for y'all. Mm-hmm. I everybody here is old enough to have been photographed on film and gotten the prints back. I assume Ali did. It. How did they do that on the island? Because y'all, y'all didn't have. <laughs> no, I'm asking. 
I'm asking literal questions. Y'all have wow. like like locally owned <laughs> photography <laughs> studios. No, I'm not trying to be insulting. Because I, I assume y'all didn't just, have. It's just funny whatever you say. How did I do that? <laughs> I assume y'all didn't have CVS and shit on the island. Right. Did, did y'all, y'all have, have local life, pharmacies? Did y'all have Life Touch? Did y'all have Life not Touch? Life Touch, the trick. <laughs> You know, Life Touch been doing dogs on school photos for like a hundred years. <laughs> I'm like, how did y'all corner the market on that? We probably got in early, but yeah. So Ali, ask, can, like, can you explain to us how, like, like where y'all where y'all would go to get your stuff developed on the island? So first, I want to ask you, Brandon, <laughs> how did you do that when you were a kid? So, and what like, did you have to do? I went to Revco. Which oh doesn't exist anymore. Yeah, I'm old. Um, Revco is a drug was a drugstore chain. Now is I think CVS owns the rights to the old Revco stores and the old Revco name. But you know, most drugstores back, you know, they had a photography section that dedicated one where people were always working. You drop off your film and you come back a day or two later, and they've given getting you prints based upon what you've ordered. You know whether it's like the standard set of like, you know, the four by sixes and everything like that, or you wanted blow-ups or everything. And you really didn't have any say over what it came out to. They tried to do their best, I assume, and give you like stuff. Um, more diligent people shot their own film and developed their own film and had dark robes and everything like that. I never got to that stage of life. Uh, <laughs> um the rise of digital was uh, very much a comfort for me in a lot of ways. Cause I remember when I would take pictures with like the old Kodak photo cameras, you know, the ones, the um, 24 shots and you throw it away from like Disney world or everything like that. Mm-hmm. I remember that often my family would not adapt too well to the development process of those photos. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, because, you know, we're kind of, we're on the, the brown to dark end of the spectrum. Um, it was always a gamble. When I would um, be in photos at work, even after the first couple of digital cameras came out, there's some photos of me at work where you couldn't tell I was in the photo because I was standing in front of a dark wall. Oh, wow. Yeah. They had to literally take another picture and Photoshop me in. Photoshop, there is no Photoshop at that time. Wow, bitch. What are you talking about? <laughs> what do you mean Photoshop you he in? What are you talking about? Oh. How is there a Photoshop at this? What are you talking about? This was 19, this was you 2007. Th- oh, about. I thought you meant like in the 90s. I was like, in the 90s? What? I mean, what? there was Photoshop in the 90s, let's be clear. Yeah, but we don't have we don't have the money for that at that time. <laughs> there were ways to get Photoshop in the 90s. Um, True, but still. But yeah. Anywho, um, so essentially the same thing happened over um, back in Dominica. So we had photo studios. Um, I This is how, this is to, to give you an idea of just how popular the brand of Kodak was. There literally would be a place <laughs> that had the big Kodak sign outside. Right. There's a place downtown you, Atlanta that, where, that still has their sign. Right. And you'd go there and you would 
to have a profession, if you wanted like a professional photo being done, for example, your passport, or let's say a family portrait or whatnot, you would have those things too. Um, as well as um, people who would buy uh, cameras with the traditional film in them, right. what you do is you would take them to the pharmacy or you would take them to, you take it to one of these um one of these studios to get it developed for you. And yes, we, we encounter the same kind of issues because it's like, <sighs> depending on this, this skin tone, you are, um, the, the pictures, man, they were not very, they're not, they, they, they weren't very forgiving. Right. And now, Kodak just, and their competitors, Fiji and, um, uh, 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 Fuji film. And what's the other can. ones? Canon, Canon, and all those. Ca- they, Canon? Panasonic is that one? Not really Panasonic. No, oh. like, um, like they got quote unquote better in the nineties, as far as like mm-hmm. reproduce. Not didn't, but never was like great for a very long time. Mm-hmm. Um, I know the people who did like like Ernest Dickerson and Malik Saeed when they were doing Spike Lee's films and their own films. They developed processes for lighting that worked better for black people. But, you know, if you're not a professional cinematographer, um, <laughs> right. Ag- Agfa was the other stock. I was, I was trying to figure out what the brand name was. Yeah, Agfa. Um, and uh, Fiji. Uh, Fuji film. Fuji film. Mm. But, yeah. Um, I mean, we've come a long way with digital cameras now. Like, it, they, those had to go through some um, things where now that they're international people are demanding better that, you know, that they better reproduce darker-skinned people. Because, like, the iPhone, original iPhone versus the iPhone 6 and everything from there forward, they've come a long way of reproducing darker-skinned people in, like, in different lighting conditions, not necessarily just outside sunlight 1 p.m. Right. Which is easy. Mm -hmm. Hey, Brandon. Yes. I'm just thinking... Back in the day when the Shirley car was running rampant mm-hmm. and, and Black folks were not looking the best, why didn't people just go to Black wedding photographers? Because I'm thinking that if there's a time where you are supposed to look your best, it would be in your in your wedding photos. And those photographers who who had that market, wouldn't they know, wouldn't they have the secret sauce? I've seen my parents' wedding photos and my uncle and aunt's wedding photos. Oh, not so much? Not so much. Okay. <laughs> okay. They're going to write me, how dare you, how dare you, Fred? <laughs> it's based on, I mean, it's nothing they've done wrong. It's the way that they've developed. Like, everybody's <laughs> different skin tones. Some skin tones came out fine. Some people got washed, like, out. Like, <laughs> shadowed out. They just did. Shadowed Okay. But okay. I, I see what you're saying. Like, yeah, yeah. like, um, because you know, you, so. you want to put those in your, you know, in your living room, a family room, and their the historical documents, or whatever. So, mm-hmm. but I now that I'm thinking about it, I'm I'm thinking I'm I have my aunts and uncles' pictures in my mind. They did look washed out, like over bright. Like yeah. it was like they wanted to make sure that the that they did not fade into the background. So there was like super bright lights, right, and. uh yeah, and my aunts and uncles weren't like light-skinned black people. They were medium brown, but because the lights were turned up so bright, they, they look came like, out looking really like okay. Like when you see Sidney Poitier in um, what's that movie where he's playing a teenage boy? Um, 
Blackboard Jungle is a good example mm-hmm. for that. Mm-hmm. Got it. I see what you're saying. Okay. They, they would but tend I, to watch him out a lot in movies. But I then. did notice, and you tell me if this is the truth, but I've read it, and it caused a lot of, you know, ripples on social media where there are um, Black women who are darker brown, you know, not medium brown or light brown, but darker brown and even darker. Mm-hmm. But they throw these, in, like, oh, what's the lady, um, the young actress, um, Precious, her. Precious. Right. So she's a beautiful, darker brown woman. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there have been pictures where they have these lights on her. And if you didn't know who she was or didn't know her, you know, natural, beautiful tone, you'd be like, okay, what is that called when they throw the lights on you and it cranks up your skin tone to a lighter, up to appear lighter in a photo? I don't know what is that called? I, I consider that to be washing somebody out to some washing degree. Washing someone Just out. because, like, you're changing them. And also, a lot of that is done also in post using, you know, Photoshop or any other software to try to oh. boost up the contrast. And boost up like you know, like the, the 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 shadow points and black points, and you know, some sometimes actually literally taking a brown airbrush tool in Photoshop, coloring somebody, mm-hmm. and making them lighter. And I've I've have gone in and fixed people's highlights and things like that. But I try I try to make folks quote unquote lighter because that's misrepresenting them. Mm-hmm. Usually, I'm making people darker. And things, mm. because I, I'm taking like stock photography of white people and trying to at least can they at least be like a Latin person in this? My God, um, like it's like hands and like hands, like not faces, like hands and like that. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, but yeah, like I see seeing people do that sort of stuff though. Like you know, yeah. people who believe that you know lighter is better, and they put them them big old lights, like those big circular box lights on you. And where, where, like, they blow you out, you could see, like, the lights in their eyes, them, like, from them, like, late 90s, early 2000s photos, you know, all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. They used to do it to Brandy a lot. Wow. Like, in the old days, when she was younger. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah, did y'all have any other questions about the topic, though? Well, I'm sorry, Latria. Oh, I was just saying I didn't. Well, I just noticed the excitement. Um, you know the show, the Ava DuVernay show on OWN with the Queen people. Queen Sugar. Sugar. Queen Sugar. Right. And I just remember when Queen Sugar first came out. It's been out for four years or so? Four years, Five yeah. Years. Four seasons. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Everybody was going, like, they were going bananas about how the skin tones looked, you know, during, like, love scenes or just regular scenes when they would just shoot, you know, different characters, the colors and how the contrast and, like, the highlights of their skin. And at first, I was saying, you know, what's what's the big deal? But the more I thought about it, I was like, yeah, you know what? This is a big deal. Mm-hmm. This is huge. But at the time, I just, because I kept seeing it on my timelines, like, people kept saying, the skin looks so beautiful and, and, and just on and on. Ralph Angel. But, yes. Oh, he is beautiful. And they were just talking about that. But now I'm like, yes, I, I'm taking for granted that everyone can see the beauty and the contrast of different tones of brown skin. Not mm-hmm. everyone, not everyone is familiar with that. Right. You know, and I was like, okay. Oh. So now we are, now we are. 
Yes, we are. When you're used to a certain kind of, of representation of Bakugou in, in um, media, mm-hmm. when you see something like brown sugar, it because it, it, it hits Queen me. sugar. Looks, well, brown sugar too, but sorry, queen sugar. Brown su- well, queen sugar. Queen sugar, it it's it's a little it's a little shocking. It's like wow, like yeah. because the sisters, the the both the the sisters and the brother, they mm-hmm. all have different skin tones. That's right, and I, it's important. And part of and part of um, the the interesting um, plot lines in the show is actually um, th- there's a reason for that. Like you yes. you need that sort of a representation so that you can show. Um, in certain situations, in certain plot lines, why some of the characters act the way they do or mm-hmm. why some characters get treated the way they do. Shout out so to Charlie. You need, you need that, that, yeah, you need that contrast. Mm-hmm. Yes, you do. All right. Let's go ahead on to not really a challenge, but just like a little commentary thing, I guess. So we already mentioned, of course, that Eddie Murphy's new movie, My Name is Dolomite, comes out this weekend in theaters and comes to Netflix on October the 28th. Um, Eddie Murphy was recently interviewed by the New York Times, um, was discussing a bunch of things about, you know, his career, his life and everything, and also about his stand-up, both the past works and the new stuff he's doing now for Netflix. Uh, in mentioning that, you know, he's going to be back on Saturday Night Live for the first time in years, uh, they had this to say about Saturday Night Live and the whole Shane Gillis thing and Eddie Murphy himself. Uh the show, Saturday Night Live, has recently become the subject of controversy for hiring and then firing a cast member, Shane Gillis, after recordings of him making racist remarks on a podcast surfaced. Murphy, who has never owned a computer and describes himself as close to as you can get to a technophobe, said he wasn't concerned about due scrutiny of his comedy. He has Ugh. been criticized for jokes on his specials that talked about Fear of contracting AIDS from kissing gay men and using and use homophobic slurs. In the past, he cited such backlash as the reason he stopped doing stand-up. I went through all that stuff, so this is not scary, he said about controversies over jokes. He pointed out that he, uh, that he had been picketed and had also apologized for material about AIDS that he now calls ignorant before adding... On the subject of anxiety by comics today, all this stuff they're talking about, hey, welcome to the club. He talks about also how his new comedy is going to draw on his new life experiences. You know, he's a grandfather and everything, so it's going to be different. Um, So who here has not seen Eddie Murphy raw and delirious? Me. You haven't seen either of them? I No. You got to see it. Or hear it. I've seen a good portion of it. Yep. Right. So Classic. the funny thing about his jokes, most of them I didn't find too offensive, the gay stuff, except for the use of one particular word, consistently, mm-hmm. overdone. Mm-hmm. Um, it was, I heard worse from other people, but I also, of course, you know, you definitely hear way better now. And he apologized a long time ago in order to, I believe it was like when he, 
it was he wanted to host the Oscars when he apologized. Oh, yeah. Let me double check when that was. Had to clean exactly. that up real fast. Oh, no, it was 1996. Oh, never mind. Eddie Murphy apologizes for past remarks about AIDS and homosexuality. Uh, he was on David Letterman. Oh, no, um, someone, somebody wanted him, to, his David Letterman appearance back then to be canceled because of it. A gay activist in San Francisco. So he apologized back then. I deeply, I deeply regret any pain this all this has caused. That isn't an apology, Mr. Murphy. He said he was young and misinformed back then. Hmm. Just like the rest of the world, I am more educated about AIDS in 1996 than I was in 1981. I think it is unfair to take the words of a misinformed 21-year-old and apply them to an informed 35-year-old man. I know how serious an issue AIDS is the world over. I know that AIDS isn't funny. It's 1996. Now I'm a lot smarter about AIDS now. What about the gay part? Because the they AIDS part... They invented then. All right, here we go. Here we go. Uh, I am not homophobic and I am not anti-gay, Eddie Murphy said in a statement. My wife and I have donated both time and money to AIDS research. I've had people close to me die from the disease as well. I don't know a person who hasn't been touched in some way by this disease. Everyone knows somebody who is sick. Black people have been hit harder by this disease than other, any other group of people on the planet. That's what Eddie Murphy said um, 20 years ago. 20 plus I was going to say, I'm like, is he still married? Okay. He's not married uh, anymore. Right, right. That's <laughs> that had to have been like a while ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So... Do we feel like, first of all, that... I mean, I'm sure A. Murphy, especially after 96, he has some other issues that went on in his life mm. that may have colored how, you know, may have better understood why he felt like he should make fun of gay stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, look yep. at me at being messy. Uh, yeah, quite. I'm just... <laughs> and um, I'm right there with you, like, mm-hmm, yep. So mm-hmm. do we feel like... He means that shit, number one. I'm sure he does. I feel like he does, but I'm asking y'all I, I as well. think he does. I think I, he does. I feel like he does. Ali? Good thing money runs the world. <laughs> Ali is not convinced. He's not having it. And, He's not um, feeling charitable I mean, tonight. Yeah, if you, if, you want to, if you want to protect your brand mm-hmm. and your money... And your money. You know what to say. Right. Right? Okay. And yeah. num- number two, do you think there will be anything his new stand-up that will cause any like the amount of controversy that this stuff from his old stuff caused, or do you think he'll sidestep side, side all of that? Sidestep. Two words: social media. It's mm-hmm. a different. It's a different landscape now. People they go through your archives to to see what you may have said when you were three years old. Right. Right. <laughs> And then and then hang you on a hook for it. Right. You know, and it's just it's not it's not fair, but yeah. Because because people can. Right. Like so. after reading the full thing, it's less what's my look word looking for here? It's less comprehensive an apology than I thought it was it actually was. But the, just the simple fact of him calling his old stuff to some degree ignorant 
is kind of better than the average. Like, look at what Dave Chappelle did. Look at what Shane Gillis did just last week. Look what people defending him tried to do. You know. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm sure it doesn't hurt that Eddie Murphy is super rich and he's already been successful and he he could he's doing this for shits and giggles, literally. So And that. and all so of those this... all those people are in different places. Like Chappelle is pretty comfortable, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he's okay. Now this Shane person, I, I, I don't know him, but I'm thinking he's still he's still on the way up. So it's well, different. Not not anymore. Yeah, no. He'll no. he'll be fine. He, he's, the elevator he's straight stopped. and white. He's fine. No, he'll be fine. He's straight and white. He'll be fine. He's he had to go work in his cousin's grocery store. Oh, okay. or, or he, he might just become the manager to, of he can go back to his mama's basement. <laughs> in 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 Beverly Hills or some bullshit like that. Right. Wherever. Right. So he's fine. He's not gonna be he's not gonna be he's completely fine. He's not gonna be driving he's not gonna be driving a bus or picking up trash on the side of the street. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's right, Forky. <laughs> <laughs> Not Forky. Not Forky. Oh, my goodness. I was made for soup, salad, maybe chili, and then the trash. (laughs) Oh, Lord. Um, But So that is our show. Unless there's anything else. Anybody got anything else at all before we go? I'll be watching uh, um, this week for uh, The Joker. (laughs) I'm hoping, please, God, please... Just mm. let people chill, all right? Right. Just, everybody, just just chill. Mm-hmm. That's all. Yeah, don't go. Don't um, go to the I theater don't... and act the fool, please. Um, I don't think Eddie Murphy is going to sidestep anything. I think he's going to give it um, his best go, and I think that he is comfortably. <laughs> Rich enough to uh, not give a single care to any of that stuff. You think so? He's is I. I think. Okay. I don't think he's going to be overly. I don't think he's going to be overly um, offensive. Mm-hmm. But I definitely think there's going to be some offensive stuff going on in there. It's just, it's what's hot right now. And any publicity, bad publicity, good publicity, it doesn't matter. It's publicity. You need if you want people to start talking about you. I'm sorry, you're, you're going to have to make some sacrifices. Mm. He just strikes me as very careful, like just very, you know, um, maybe careful is not the right word, but just very strategic in how he, strategic and protective of his brand. We shall see. What I see is someone yeah. who has, who's actually listening to the coach he hired. <laughs> That's what mm. I see. Okay. I see someone who's like <laughs> everybody else we've seen so far. It's like, yeah, you want me to say this, but uh, I want to go off script. I want to say what I want to say, and uh-huh. always always landed. And this time, this time, someone's actually listening uh-huh. to their PR coach. <laughs> I hear you. So yeah, that's what it's. A, sounds like a really trained, really trained person. So that, mm-hmm. that's what I wow. see. I don't believe anybody until I don't believe anybody. Until <laughs> right. until they actually start talking off the cuff. Right. right. Yeah. Yeah. It's those candid moments that get you that get you messed mm-hmm. up every time. Yep. Oh. That is true. Oh yeah. It's it's when I it's when I pick you up pick you up on lift and I start driving and then you start talking and I have a recorder mm. in the front seat. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> That's when we get you. 
That's right. it. You're right. You're right. Spot on. Mm-hmm. Right. Oh, the Adams family just sent me an ad. Apparently, they want me to know that the movie comes out and tickets are available. The movie comes out October the 11th. The animated Adams family. The Adams family. With um, Oscar Isaac and Charlize Theron as the voices of the Adams. Oh, I didn't know Bay was in it. Mm-hmm. I love Oscar Isaac. Mm-mm-mm. And Charlize. Yeah, I'm um, excited for Adam's family. The thing is, there's somebody in the comments talking about, I won't go see it. Part of the charm of the Adam's family was that it wasn't animated. Um, oh my God. Who I cares? need to make sure that everybody knows their fucking history. That's why we have this program in the first place to try to bring history and and new shit and show you how it's all connected. The Adams Family started out as a fucking one-panel comic strip in magazines. Before it was a TV show. Before there was a movie starring Raul Julia and uh, Angelica Houston and um, Christina Ricci. Long before that, they were carts, they were drawings by Charles Adams, line drawings, black and white. The designs mm-hmm. in the movie. They're a little pushed from my taking, mind you, I'll be clear, but they are based on the original designs. That's why Gomez looks like wide and, and, and got like that that oblong head and those like those shaded eye, eyes. That's why even if the funny thing is, even if you didn't realize that, you had to have been curious about why they look so, so stylized. It must have it must have crossed your mind that no one would draw regular people that way. Right. Right. You know, like, come on. Think about it. You really think they would draw people like that way? There must be a reason why. It's mm-hmm. because they're going off of original designs. <laughs> That's like yeah. if, if somebody made a peanut special based on the original designs of the original like 1950 through 54 Peanuts look. And they were like, what's this bootleg Charlie Brown shit y'all put out? <laughs> this ain't how Snoopy yeah. looks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Did we ever um, see um, the rest of Thing? Because Thing is just a hand. Did they ever show like the rest of Thing? No. Okay, so it's just a hand. Just a hand. <laughs> yeah. And I think that's, and well, I, I mean, that's the point, right? It's the... The mystery of it all. <laughs> it's just, it's yeah. just a hand, no body, no nothing. Just his hand yeah. all around. Just a disembodied oh hand. Disembodied hand. And Too a, much. And a, a lot of that, a lot of those live action movies were dedicated to showing off that the um, the magician who played thing, you know, just just doing tricks. So I remember um, Adam's family values as a whole thing scene, where he, where he's just like doing like um. Skateboard tricks on a on a roller skate. Um, I'm gonna try to see if I can find the name of the man who's like the magician who did those tricks for them. Well, nobody touches my boy Lurch. That's that's my dude. <laughs> you rang. You rang. <laughs> you rang. Lurch is my man. Love him. Where is the dog on? Oh gosh, it doesn't say dog on it. I know. I knew that that he has a name. It's not. Thing has a name. No, the actor who plays Thing has a name. So I remember back when I was a kid, they did a whole write up about him being in Mm -hmm. the movie and about how they wrapped his arm from um, shoulder to wrist 
in green. Right. That makes sense. And then back then, just before um, CGI was used for this, they had to do optical <laughs> um, key um, color keys. Mm. Now, what does that mean in English? That means they did the same things they do in CGI, but they used big machines to like literally go in and try to figure out what green wow. parts were there, take those out, and then like just leave what was left. Christopher Hart is his name. Okay. Yeah, things are a lot easier now. Yeah. All right. Thanks, everybody, so much for listening to our show. Please be sure to check out the latest episode of the Mocha Minutes podcast. Latria and I were just on there reviewing and recapping the 2019 Emmy Awards, including the winners, the nominees, the losers, and the fashion. A lot of the fashion I wasn't much help with the fashion, but Latria and Stephanie covered it just fine. You should also have in your downloads a bonus episode from some of the recordings that we were, as we were watching the Emmy Awards ourselves live. And so check that out. And of course, we've already you know, discussed the Emmys as we were watching them, well, as Latria and Ali were watching them, but did want to say again, Congratulations to Jarrell Jerome for winning Best Lead Actor in a television miniseries or film drama for When They See Us playing Corey Wise. He's the first Afro-Latino person to ever win that award or to be nominated. So shout out to him. Congratulations to Billy Porter, of course, Billy Porter for winning Best Lead Actor in a drama series. He is the first openly gay man, openly gay black man to be nominated for and to win this award. So, yeah. Any final thoughts before we go? Oh, just just FYI. Mm-hmm. Just FYI. Um, there seems to be I don't know how old this this news is, but apparently Ruby Rose herself, um, star of the Batwoman show. She just re- she just um, posted or she not just, but she posted online. Um, apparently, yeah, she had know. an accident a couple of months ago. She uh, had to have yeah. reconstructive she surgery. A, right, I got on set. She had an accident. Yeah. Oh damn! Yeah, she had a stunt, a stunt, um, a stunt um, accident. Oh no! And, uh, wow. She's right. she apparently she's fine now. It's just you know oh. when it happened. Um, yeah. You know, it left her almost paralyzed, and she had surgery for it. Oh no! Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Speaking people yeah. are out here killing themselves for you fans. They better get that <laughs> insurance up. Yeah, speaking of that, I forgot to uh, mention, but yeah, so they're doing uh, the Crisis on Infinite Earths crossover for the CW um, DC comic shows this year. Uh, Crisis on Infinite Earths was like one of the most popular comic book crossovers of all time back in 1985-86, where... They um, redesigned how the DC Universe worked. They combined all these different worlds into one. Killed a lot of people. And so it's obviously going to kill off the Arrow because that's the show they're canceling. Aww. So they're going to kill off um, Stephen Amell. Uh, but like they're, you know, cro- they're bringing in Black Lightning into the crossover this year, finally. Did Black Lightning get canceled? No, it's still on. 
Oh, okay. Nope. There's so much happening over there. Okay. Yeah, it's still on. The, I'm, yeah. the, it premieres in, the trailer I think, for the about, new like, what, a week or two? Mm-hmm. Okay. Two weeks or so? Yeah, they, okay. They didn't, they didn't cancel them because of that whole Salima Kiel right. stuff, even though they probably right. should have, but they did not. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, still shocked. Yeah. Uh, as we all know, um, Brandon Roth is on um, Legends of Tomorrow playing the Atom. But back, God, how long was it? 14, 13 years ago, he played Superman in Superman Returns. Yep. And in the Crisis on Infinite Earths crossover, he will be playing Superman again, just the older version from the future with the gray hair from Kingdom Come, from the Kingdom Come timeline. And so they put out the photos of him with in the Superman outfit, and everybody's like, oh, "That's Superman," you know, because mm-hmm. it was like super old school Superman, just with like the Kingdom Come dark, darker red S on the chest instead. Uh, they're bringing back Tom Welling, and I forgot the actress. I didn't watch the show, unfortunately. Who played Lois Lane from Smallville? They're coming back. Linda Carter is coming back. Burt Ward, who played ba- uh, Robin on the 1966 Batman show, is coming back. Wow, um, is that crazy? They asked Michael Rosenbaum. He said no, because they they didn't want to get they didn't let him read the script. So he said no, and they also didn't offer him a lot of money. Oh, they wanted to pay oh, like Rosenbaum, a pittance. Rosen, Rosenbaum um, was the original was the um, Lex the, Luthor Tom Welling, on um, um, Lex Luthor on yeah on Tom Smallville. One? Yes. Okay. Somebody else they asked uh, one the, the lady who played the Huntress on Birth of Prey. They, she's coming back too. <laughs> they brought back the person from that show. That's surprising. And also, of course, he always comes back. John Wesley's ship is coming back to play, you know, um, you know, Granddaddy Flash. You know, you know he loves, you know, he loves that role. He <laughs> he loves that role so much. And I'm so happy whenever he shows up. When he showed up on Flash, when I used to watch Flash, I was like, wow, you're really back again. You're a super fan of this show. <laughs> how many how many seasons is Flash now? They're starting season six. Okay. Uh, but yeah, thanks so much for listening to our show. I guess watch Crisis on Infinite Earths to be taking place over. They they're fucking with people. They're they, it, the cliffhanger happens, so it, they're airing it the first week of December. Then the cliffhanger happens, and they won't air the rest until January. Wow. So okay. they, so you could be spending five weeks sitting there like Stewie in that gift, just rocking back and forth <laughs> over Christmas I, and New I Year's. Hope, I hope it's a good. I hope it's a good. Um. Uh. I hope it's a good. Um. What do you call it? Cliffhanger. I hope it's a good cliffhanger. I hope so too. Me too. Thanks so much for listening to our show. You can find our show across all social media platforms under the handle at SSN Podcast. You can find our show on to listen to on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Sound, not SoundCloud, Spotify, <laughs> Acast, and wherever else podcasts can be found. Coffee Lights, we also have a podcast. It's called Audio Oasis Storytelling. Let me say that again. Audio Oasis Storytelling. You can find that one on Apple Podcasts and Stitcher as well. Uh, you can also go to ssnpodcast.com to find more episodes of our show. Thanks so much for listening. This has been the Say Something Nice podcast. I'm Brandon. I'm here with Latria. See you later. Ali. Be safe out there in these streets. And Coffee Light Sweet. Always a pleasure. Right. And we will see you all next time.
forgot to mention my Black Praise report on the podcast. What is your Black Praise report? I made potato salad for the first time in life. And it tastes like your grandma made it. I am so... And I'm literally about to go give me a bowl. What color is the potato salad? Yellow. (laughs) Ah, Yes, yes, Uh. yes, yes, yes. (laughs) Okay. That is Don't always play with the me. Test. Don't play with me, okay? And yeah. listen, I only had a little All bit of muscle right. left, but when I tell you, I emptied that down. <laughs> she said, this potato side is going to be motherfucking yellow, goddamn. Oh, my God. It was it's so good. Like... Oh, I'm so proud of myself. I see people with this white potato salad. I'm like, what is that? That's casserole. Yeah, I don't. What's, what's going on over there? Listen, if I didn't have no mustard, I wouldn't have made it. Like, you got to have that mustard in there. Yes. Good job. Good job. Mm-hmm. I'm so proud of myself.